This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Baylock. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, we're dealing with a lot of conflicted upper-middle-class white people and their problems. <laughs> As we're watching Spines 95 and 96 in the Criterion Collection, Douglas Sirk's All That Heaven Allows from 1955 and Written on the Wind from 1956. But first, RJ, happy hmm. birthday. Hey! <laughs> Who told you that? Uh, Mark Zuckerberg informed me personally. Mark Zuckerberg did. Mm-hmm. And what did he have to say about for himself? He said, wish RJ Baylog a happy birthday on his special day. Mm. Or something. Well, like, that's a paraphrase, but something um, like that. Well, thanks, Jared. You're welcome. Mm, yes, yeah, my birthday. No. And no. Uh, that's cool. I see your... Mm. Drinking some sort of fancy beverage out of a glass? Uh, that's a white Russian. Mm. I drink white Russians now. Oh, <laughs> great. Uh, I don't know why. Um, <laughs> I just had did, the... what, did, you, did you just watch The Big Lebowski for the first time or something? No, no. I didn't even think about that, actually. And then uh, my brother said the same thing. He's like, what are you, The Big Lebowski? Yeah. And I was like, oh, I didn't even piece that together. Um, yeah, no, there was like a a few years ago and seemed like like I don't know Big Lebowski was like out on DVD or some mm-hmm. shit and like it seemed like all these dudes I knew they're like really into like being a Lebowski and uh, yeah. like they're like yeah, it'd be so cool to just like walk around in my house coat and everyone would just be like dude <laughs> you're so cool dude and it's mm-hmm. like yeah that's a, that's a life goal right and uh, yeah, and yeah. They're, they're all these dudes are all obsessed with uh, white Russians because obviously they watch all the movie and uh Yep. So white rushes, well, that's like what people associate with and Lebowski yeah. on and garbage like mm. that. Yeah, I'm aware of those things. Uh, I like the dude. Uh, it's a great I think movie. he's a cool. He's a great movie. John Goodman, man, it's one one of my guys. Yep. Um no, yeah, I like the dude, but I don't I don't even know where it came from. It was over the uh, the Christmas break. Uh, one day I was like, I'm going to drink white russians today. And Andrew was like, "Why?" I was like, "I don't know." <laughs> I just feel like it. Mm-hmm. So uh, she she's nice. She she makes them for me, and I had uh, the one day I was drinking them, I had a couple, and then uh, she uh, even got wild and put some uh, some root beer in one of them. Mm-hmm. It was like a paralyzer. Ooh, girl, I know that's a little fruity. That's not as cool as just a straight white Russian, but right, t- tastes good. It's like a float. That Kahlua, a little Kahlua, a little heavy cream. Ugh. <laughs> like <laughs> is that? She she tried to sip. She's like, that smells good. Let me try it. She tried to sip. She's like, Ugh. yeah. Well, it's like a paralyzer, right? That's like. Well, it is just without the pop. It's right. vodka, Kahlua, and cream. Yeah, that's it. But it's like a, it's like an iced coffee. Hmm. Is how I see it. Yeah, I mean, like from a the little thumbnail of your video here, it looks like you're drinking like a, a Starbucks like drink. But uh, this was a, a glass I got in a um, in a case of beer. Mm-hmm. And I uh, use it to drink uh, my drinks out of the big ones. I have cocktail glasses. Um, I have so uh, to just be clear. That's a pint glass. Yes. Yeah, you're drinking a. What's the uh, issue? You're drinking a pint of White Russian. <laughs> well, I did it for the show okay. because Jared oh. doesn't like when I have to go to the bathroom and take breaks and stuff like that. So you drink so a I pint made... of White Russian. <laughs> well, I made one drink and I was like, I'll have this one. For the show, and then I don't have to leave and uh, make another one. I also have um, I also have a beer just in case. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, All right. Hey, it's my birthday. You oh, can't man. be mad. I can't wait can't. to. Be, I can't wait to talk about uh, rampant alcoholism later on <laughs> when uh, written on the wind comes up. Oh yeah. Uh, talking spoiler about fucking, alert. Talking about Bob's, that guy was pretty awesome. Fucking Bob Stack here. Mm-hmm. You're really. Yeah. Uh, you're really trying to be Stephen King. Uh, I just need the coke and uh, the millions of dollars, and, and I'll be there. And the, the the face that sets the world ablaze. That hunchback and that uh, bittersweet <laughs> grin. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, hey, man, it's my birthday. I, I can do whatever the hell I feel like. I'm a January kid. I'm Capricorn. We're the best. As the, the, best. Kid, as the kids say, you do you. I will. I'll try. Um, so do you do anything yet for your, your B day? I gotta do this stupid fucking thing. Sure do. Uh, no, we're doing this, uh, as we speak, Andrea is making me a birthday cake. Ooh. Uh, confetti cake. Oh. Uh, which I'm a big fan of. Um, she was gonna go get me, like, a fancy bakery cake, and I was like, nah, girl. I was like, just make me one of those confetti ones, because it reminds me of, uh, my childhood. You know what the best was? When, uh, the cake would, uh... Any of the leftover cake would be like a day old, and the icing would get hard mm. on it. Ooh, that's my fave. Yeah, I'm, uh, there was uh, I can't remember what occasion it was, but uh, Chanel and I went out and uh, bought the ingredients for a confetti cake, and we ate like mm, like a th- maybe half of it, and then I like figured out what the calories on this motherfucking thing was, and the other ah. half wound up going in the garbage because I was like, Jesus Christ, it, cake is so good, but man. Mm-hmm. When it's your birthday, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, is the point? No, and, rule, and no rules. Gets get some white Russians to wash it down. Right. So uh, as my birthday lies on a uh, the middle of the week this year, no, I, we're just having a cake and we're gonna go out for a nice dinner on the weekend. Ooh la la. Yeah. No so at that uh, Burger King. Ooh. Yeah, I would. Actually, I was going to get Burger King today. I like Burger King, okay? And I know at least one friend of the show, he likes Burger King too. Yeah. And it seems like everyone always shits on Burger King. And I don't know why, but I think it's a quality product. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So what Jared is referring to is there was a scare in Creepsville today. Uh, some jokester, some clown, some reporter who didn't do uh, their due diligence uh, let a story loose that one of the Burger Kings in town uh, was getting closed down because they had uh, foreign uh, oh, like see, that's immigrant part- workers living in the basement of the Burger King, and it was like being shut down. But I was like, wait a minute, does Burger King even have a basement? I've never heard of a fast food place having a basement before, and it sounds like it was a scam. I don't know. So, okay, Th- there's a conflation going on because what happened? Okay. Well, there, there is a basement, but that is not where this apparent foreign worker, as the uh, the this official government uh, like write up about why they had to shut it down until this got yeah. fixed. Because what happened was they had a, a pipe burst in mm-hmm. the basement, I, I guess, and it was like going unaddressed. Mm-hmm. Or something like that, but I guess they also found evidence that like people were sleeping in the back of this oh. fast food chain. That's like how it's so what happens is people are saying there's people sleeping in the basement, but it's like, yeah. well, no, there's like something was happening in the basement, but I don't know. It this is like a strange thing, it's a developing story as we speak, and uh, yeah, it's very memorific, and I'm sure it'll mm-hmm. uh spread around uh, around the internet. And uh, we're at ground zero once again, Creepsville is on the map. For hey, all the wrong be, reasons. 
<laughs> it could be you that uh, gets this story out into the world. Just one post in uh, in the right place at the right time on Reddit, mm-hmm. and uh, you could be getting a call from I don't know Kim Jong Un tomorrow. That's right. Um, yeah. So th- the other aspect, I guess, of this is that uh, like the report is like, oh no, it's been addressed, so it's like it never happened. And I'm like, yeah. wait, but that's like robbing a bank and then like giving the money back, it and back. it's like, all well, the crime never happened, so don't worry about it. It's the same yeah. like thing. It's like, no, you, the, you have people sleeping at the fast food restaurant. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I'm not exactly like disgusted by this, like you know, mm-hmm. physical level, but I'm like, that's really sad. Like, what the fuck's going on that people are like having to sleep at fucking Burger King? But uh, none well, the, nonetheless, uh, it's uh, like. Like, well, because uh, old Canada had that whole temporary foreign workers debacle mm-hmm. from a few years ago where everybody was just like all yeah. very upset all of a sudden that all these Filipino people were working here. Um, but, you know, taking, oh, yeah, yeah. Take, taking the jobs that like bozos here wouldn't want to take. And then mm-hmm. they're like, they're taking our jobs that we don't want and uh, doing it better mm-hmm. than us because <laughs> they, they, yeah. they want to make money and be here. Um, they actually care. Yeah. They're, yeah, yeah, fantastic. And uh, anyway, so BK it, in the headlines. RJ loves his Burger King. And, you, uh, you want to hear something real? What I ate at that very Burger King not even three days ago. Oh man, it could have been. What late. Taco Time is to you is Burger <laughs> King to me. I could eat Burger King once a week if I needed to. Oh, I was gonna eat it twice this week. Oh, that's it. You're, you're man. That's yeah. All, that, well, that's, okay. no, I mean seriously, that's all. <laughs> Well, yeah, see, I, I shouldn't have compared it to Taco Time. People don't know this, but Jarrett eats Taco Time like four times a week, I think. Mm, that's exaggerating, but it definitely Three. comes up. Yeah, yeah, that's a possibility. Yeah, so that's not a huge exaggeration. One time, Jarrett went to the local Taco Time, and his meal was already there and paid for by the employees because they they just knew to expect you. Mm-hmm. That's how sturdy and consistent of a customer you are. They're like, we better buy this guy's meal one time. This guy's paying all our salaries. That's right. Keeping them mm-hmm. afloat. Keeping them afloat. Did so, you know uh, they, they got chili uh, this week? Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not, I, don't, I don't go that way. Um, what kind of chili? Uh, chili kind. Gluten-free chili. Gross. Meat and beans and probably whatever red stuff <laughs> so, who's going to taco time to get chili uh well it's a new item that they're just testing out seeing what what the market is for like to get your chili burrito your mm-hmm. chili on your mexi fries your uh what's the other one i think they it's already do straight, that, though. straight up chili just isn't uh, that a mexi fry supreme uh sans chili it's, that's sans probably just got, but of course this has now got chili and cheese and probably mm-hmm. sour cream or some shit uh, no, I'm a I'm a super chicken burrito man. If you were going to ask, that's, hey Jared, that's my way I roll. Um, how did yeah, we get here? How did we get to here? I don't know. We're just <laughs> we're chatting. We're, we're, okay, we're, we're having, I'm not we're, saying we're, it's we're, bad. I'm we're, just we're, we're having wondering. A, we're having a dialogue. It's like how did we how did we get here? You know? Yeah. In this world, well, in this taco time world. So, um, well, that's good. You can eat taco time. I'll eat my Burger King, and right. uh, we'll meet somewhere in the middle. At Arby's. <laughs> At Arby's. That's where we, that's where we have common ground. That's the neutral zone. Yeah, that's right. Because mm-hmm. I will not eat at Burger King. You will eat at Taco Time. 
I will eat at Taco Time, but Jared won't eat at Burger King. Uh, allegedly, because he is, um, you know, like Jared likes to say things like, I hate poor people or I hate like gross people or sick people. Uh, apparently, he <laughs> won't eat at Burger King because of the people who or, who work there because they're customers at his other job at the comic store. <laughs> and uh, what did you say? They they buy a lot of hentai and oh. uh, hentai. There was and, a, uh, they're there, just there was, don't want to the, be around. There was a generation of dudes that came to the comic book store that all they, they actually probably still all work at burger king they're like started in high school and they like that was like 15 years ago and they still work there and i just go no i don't want any part of what they're serving because these dudes boy they're smelly boys what about the south side burger king uh no their food's bad dude it's so salty it is not bad oh. go get a chicken tender crisp oh. and a poutine oh. and a stacker on the side because I hold that the Burger King stacker and double cheeseburg, for that matter, are the only fast food items that can be reheated and still taste good. <sighs> Nothing else. You ever tried oh. to reheat a Big Mac? It's fucking disgusting. No. Why would you buy more than one Big Mac at a time to reheat it? Because I'm an animal and I oh. eat all, all all the time. You make adva- okay? advanced fast food purchases. Oh man. Yeah. So, yeah. so hey, when even I like Bur- I, I will I will stump for my taco time, but eating that stuff even like 15 minutes like after it's been made is like vile. Like exactly, exactly. You wouldn't do it, but that's why I like Burger King so much because I can go get what I want to eat right away: chicken tender crisp and a poutine, and sometimes maybe the original chicken sandwich with all that mayonnaise. Good stuff. But it's like, you know what? I, I want to eat Burger King again in an hour because you always want to eat again after you eat fast food. So you buy one of them burger stackers and you put it in the fridge and a couple hours later you microwave it up and it's actually still good. It's it's one of, it's the only fast food item that can be reheated. I guarantee. I promise you. Yeah, I, I'll I'll accept I'll accept what you're saying. I'm okay yeah. with that. Okay, you can't you can't say anything because you'll never try it. So very true. I'm, I'm the authority here. Okay, um, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> hey RJ, what no. you what you been creeping on for, for movies? Uh, I just have a couple. Okay. I think. <laughs> Wait, what did we do this week? Uh, oh, we had a double header, and uh, you made me watch a, a third one. So. Mm. I only have two actual creeps this week because I I had to watch three movies for the show. I think that's fair. Fine. Um, What did I watch this week? Jesus. This is a long time ago. Oh, I watched Them! Exclamation point. Them! uh, From 1954. I'm continuing my uh, sci-fi January. Um, There's a clever combination of those words somewhere, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, so I'm continuing my 50 sci-fi stuff uh, with another Jarrett pick. Jarrett was like, hey, you should watch Them. And I was like, Them? What's Them? Uh, Them is the movie uh, about giant ants. Uh, Years after the first atomic bomb is dropped, uh, these ants are now the sizes of, like, small trucks, I think. Like a a half-ton truck. Yeah. Like a car, basically, right? Like the size of a car. Um, so there are these ants running around the desert, and they're uh, cutting dudes in half with their mandibles. Yes. Um, so then a uh, ant professor and his uh, foxy doctor daughter uh, come in, and they're like, it's ants. And uh, the military people are like, oh, my God. They don't believe them at first, but they see the ants. And uh, so it, it's nice in that sense. It's not like people don't believe them. They're like, no, look at this huge fucking ant. And they're like, okay, all right, what are we going to do about this? 
Uh, so this movie is about giant ants taking over America and uh, this team of scientists and army men trying to go to each of the uh, like the nests like where the new queens are living and taking out all the uh, ant. What are those called? Anthills? Yeah. What's an ant house called? A colony. An ant, I like ant house better. They're going to all the ant houses. Yeah. And uh, they're taking out all the queens. So because uh, they're like, if we don't stop this shit. These ants will fucking take over the world. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, shit, all right. Um, so I like this show. It's actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, unlike a lot of the other sci-fi movies, there was no animal violence other than to gigantic ants. Yeah. But uh, they weren't real ants. So <laughs> that's that's cool, at least. Um, I thought this movie was actually really good. Uh, it's Well, it's not really good. but uh, or It's not great, but it is really good. It's really entertaining. Um, what I remember about it, it's got really nice cinematography. It looks it's really got good. it yeah. looks really good, and on top of that, uh, the production value is great because they actually made like a bunch of these huge ants. Because uh, there's one in or there's like one or two of these huge ants and lots of these scenes, and they're like fucking. They got flamethrowers and yeah. machine guns, and they're blowing these these things just apart. Yeah, when they so actually like, go down to those tunnels, it's pretty great. Yeah, yeah, and it actually, there's even a couple scenes before that where um, they're just out in the open and they, like, blow the fuck out of these ants. So it's like, wow, they, they must have, like, made a bunch of these, like, at least 20, which uh, doesn't sound like that much. But when you see how big these ants are, you're like, that's a lot of these fucking things to make. So the production value is really cool. Um, and this, the story itself isn't, like, too cheesy or anything like that. Uh, there's some 50 stuff about everyone's surprised that the uh, lady is a doctor and they can't like yeah. they're always like talk English woman uh, it's like can you dumb it down for me a little bit but uh, she'll say something and they're like man it's a good thing you're pretty nah. but it's like she, even though she's like smarter than them they're just like I don't understand any of that good thing you're pretty doll Brr. so it has some of that stuff but we've talked about that before it's it's not like they're not going around dropping n-bombs so no, it's no, no one's wandering around in blackface yeah it's so it's not offensive in that right um i guess if you were like really opposed to guys calling ladies dolls but uh it's it's part of the the 50s yeah. charm i guess so uh no them was them was good that's a, a solid recommend from jared mm. uh and then my other my only other creep uh which is a movie that i can say uh i am ashamed to have never seen this before because of how much I enjoyed it. Uh, this is probably going to make my top five next year. Uh, I, I think so, man. Like, I'm going to watch it again. Um, and I know I'm biased on this. Uh, I watched uh, 1953, uh, The War of the Worlds. And this is a movie that I've known about for a long time. I've seen that Tom Cruise remake. I was actually going to watch that again. I just didn't have enough time. Uh, so this is by a guy named Byron Haskin. And he did all sorts of like uh, movies like uh, Robinson Crusoe, Treasure Island. Robinson Crusoe on Mars. On Mars, yeah, right. Future Creep. Uh, that one is? Yep. Yeah, isn't... Uh, he did Naked Jungle too. Is that another Future Creep? Oh, I'll check. Well, you continue. I think so. So he, he's got... Um, He's got lots of like pirate movies and like Tarzan and like Long John Silver and space movies and westerns. So he's kind of like a genre guy in the 50s. Uh, so War of the Worlds, if people don't know, is H.G. Well book, Wells uh, book from way back then about aliens coming to Earth. 
And uh, what happens is there's all these asteroids that land on Earth, and then people get closer, and they're like, oh, man, that's like a ship. And then these tripod, uh, not in, not tripods, these three, like, saucers come out of the ground, and uh, everyone's like, oh, man, these are aliens. And then the aliens just start fucking wasting dudes, like, left and right. And uh, n- they don't say anything. They never try to communicate with people. They're just fucking blowing dudes up. So, oh, to, uh, interrupt very quickly. Uh, Naked Jungle is a movie with Charlton Heston, but that is not what you're thinking of. You're thinking of uh, The Naked Prey, uh, oh, okay. which is which is Criterion. Uh, different movie, though. Oh, okay. I, I, I was like, there's a title like that that I think yeah. isn't. But he's got one. So... I think a lot of people are familiar with this. It's 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 just an invasion story. Like aliens land and they just start blowing the fuck out of stuff. Um, I had no idea that I would like this movie so much. But uh, to put it in a way, it's, it's like I said, everyone knows by now I love alien movies. This is East, like this is essentially everything that I've wanted in an alien movie. It's like the aliens just come to Earth and they just fucking wreak havoc and like. This movie does it really well, too, where you have, like, people who are, like, there's, like, a moral dilemma where the military is getting set up, and it's, like, shouldn't we try to talk to them? And the military is, like, no, we can't do that. Where, like, uh, how I was talking earlier a couple episodes ago in um, The Day the Earth Stood Still, where it's, like, they don't even, like, the alien tries to communicate, and they just shoot it right away. Uh, In this one, there's, like, a priest who goes out to try to talk to them. And uh, the first thing that the priest gets close to the spaceship and then these like red lasers come out and he just turns into dust like they're they like incinerate people. Um, so like I think that's awesome. Like this movie's got serious balls because it is just going around like murdering people from the first like five minutes. And I think that's super cool. Um, the things about this movie that I think are like legitimately amazing are like the production uh, the, like they have a lot of miniature sets in this and, uh, they're like blowing them up and they take a lot of time to add these like special effects where the saucer will come up and it's got like a little feeler on top and like red rays will come out and it'll be like, nee, 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 nee. and then whatever item it is, like it's a person or like a truck, it like turns bright red and then the screen like flashes and then it, you see, it's just like a scorched earth kind of thing. And uh, that's like this whole movie is these ships going around like uh, burning things or hitting things with like uh, green lasers that like disintegrate people. Uh, There's tons of explosions. The sets and the miniatures are awesome. Uh, uh, The color in this movie is really nice. It's got that sweet 50s color. Like I think, uh, yeah, this one was a Technicolor. Uh, So all of the the reds and the greens and stuff like really stand out. Um, There's cool scenes where there's like a lady who her she was the niece of the priest. And when you see him get like disintegrated, it doesn't show it. But you see the laser and then you see her face and it's just like be or it's like bright red neon on her. Kind of like, you know, in Seinfeld when. Kenny Rogers chickers chicken Kenny Rogers chicken sets up and Kramer's got that red light on him all the time. It's like <laughs> that. Um, and it, it just, it looks really nice. Uh, there's also the other things that are really good in this is it shows how shitty people are. Like there's like mass chaos. Like, uh, there's this team of scientists driving trucks. Um, cause they're like, we're the, we're the only ones who can like stop this. And, uh, they get like ransacked and rioted and like people are like beating the hell out of like women and like the guys driving the trucks and they're like, no, you don't understand. We need to do this. And some guy like will punch him in the head and be like, he's like, I don't care. 
and they, they like steal the trucks. Um, this movie also has like kind of like I think this movie has a really great ending and a, like just spoiler if you don't know, but it's like nothing that the humans do actually takes down the aliens. It's just like them kind of being the on common, Earth. Isn't the common cold? The, well, it's not the cold. It, it's they don't say the common cold. It's just basically like they didn't they don't have immune systems, so it's like right. they get taken out by that. But I actually think it's really smart for a couple of reasons because it's like the humans can do absolutely nothing to it, and it's kind of like a grim ending where like everyone in the movie, all the people. They've like accepted that they're all gonna die, and it's like that's kind of grim for a movie in 1953. And then the alien just like the ships just start falling and they die, and the people come out and they're like, they it, they were basically like we are completely powerless to this stuff. It's like they're dead, but like they just took out like half of the world, and it was it's like we can't do anything. And I was like, I like that. That's kind of the route that they took for it. Like some people might not might think that's corny like that it was germs or whatever but i think if you you're overthinking it i think if you think that um there's also a really cool scene uh this is the last thing i want to say uh that i thought was awesome there's like a montage of like the world and chaos where it's like you see like tanks in like china and uh, in india everyone's in like temples and there's like this really good montage scene and then it cuts to a turned over ice cream bike cart Mm -hmm. and there's this kid and a dog and they each the kid has like nine ice cream cones in his hands and he's just eating them and the dog is eating the ice cream too and uh, i don't know why i thought that was really funny and i was like that's what i would have been if i was like an eight-year-old kid in the world was ending, you just find like an ice cream truck turned over and you'd be like, Oh yeah, I'm going to get the fuck out of this ice cream. But I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's not gonna, I wonder if anyone did that in Hawaii over the weekend, over the weekend to be topical, (laughs) to be topical. I bet, man, uh, if I was there and I saw an ice cream cart, I would have just been diving in. But, um, like I said, I know I'm biased because I love aliens and I've been on this 50 sci-fi kick. So I'm kind of, I'm warmed up to it, so I would. This was just, just right uh, for me the day I watched it. So, not everyone will agree, but that's okay. Um, I think this movie is really great. Cool. Yeah, it's been like uh, years since I watched this last, but and, like and nothing about it really jumped out at me as being like super, super good. So maybe I'll uh, revisit it when I get my copy back from that asshole. Oh, I do. I'm not giving that back. <laughs> so uh, I'll see you in hell. Okay. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think you would probably like it. Um, I don't think you'll like it as much as I did, but that's okay. Okay. I think it was good. Cool. What about you, dog? Uh, well, speaking of war, I, for whatever reason, started to watch a couple of uh, 50s war movies. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. been, it's been a while since I've watched any and uh, just been watching all those film noirs, and I was like, I need a break. Uh, mm-hmm. so, cause I've been watching a bunch of those, but they've been, it's kind of been diminishing returns. I haven't like found like a real blow away one, uh, of late. Uh, so I watched this one directed by Anthony Mann called men in war starring Robert Ryan and a whole slew of just dudes. And this movie is set during the Korean war. It came mm-hmm. out in 1957. So, uh, after the not ceasefire, but the like pressing of pause mm-hmm. and uh yeah this movie uh, i had never really heard of it popped up on some list of like best war movies like about people just like 
behind enemy lines on a mission. And uh, mm-hmm. it was, like, really well regarded on Letterboxd. So I was like, ah, sure, whatever the fuck. I'll watch this. I've been watching, like, I think I'm up to, like, five Anthony Mann movies now this year alone. And, uh, yeah, I watched this. And this movie, like, is really cool, really great, tight. Um, the cinematography is amazing. It's got that deep focus that we've talked about on the podcast before that just, mm-hmm. like, makes such a huge difference when you're watching uh, a movie. And you just, you never even think about mm. it because like nowadays everything is shot so much like that shallow focus where everything in the background is kind of blurred out and you're just looking at the foreground of just two people talking constantly or it's mm-hmm. like a or it's just a big old CGI like contrived scene of just oh this is what they decided to throw in and it's because here's a ship flying over and now it's just people walking around and everything it's just generic and kind of forgettable so watching this it's like wow they're like shooting on locations and you can see everything in the background uh the the blacks and the grays and the whites are all like super sharp even like on this like mm-hmm. dvd copy i was watching it just looked great i can't even imagine what this would look like in hd um but yeah it's a very simple story uh the story starts uh in media res with uh the the the, the gang their uh the squad their uh jeep just got blown up and they're mm-hmm. just like kind of uh waiting around for orders, trying to get into contact, rest up before they head back to a hill that they, where their guys were last they saw, and them just making their way through enemy territory, avoiding those North Koreans uh, mm-hmm. that'll just snipe them or take them out. Uh, they run across a man who is with a colonel who's just, like, shell-shocked and, like, unresponsive. He just stares, and his arms have to be tied, like, up so he doesn't, like run off uh mm-hmm. and this guy who's like with him this guy named montana he is a kind of like i don't know i guess you call him a bad egg in the sense that he he is a man of war he has uh seen shit and he knows shit and he doesn't trust anybody so when there's an opportunity to just like plug a guy he will do it because he has seen what happens if you like even like let your heart give just a moment's respite and like yeah maybe this Maybe this guy will like be okay. This like POW will be okay. But it's like no, mm-hmm. never, tr- never trust him. You can't trust any of them. Uh, in such colorful language as gook gets thrown around here. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like this movie is just like great. Uh, it's definitely one of the better war movies I've seen in a while. Um, just like very, you know, grim. Just men out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually like. I am. I guess you'd call a pacifist. I could never imagine myself going to war and think it would be completely needless. But I guess like watching yeah. a war movie is like kind of like, man, imagine being in this situation. Um, and there's sort of like an entertaining detachment when you watch this sort of thing. Um, yeah. But it's kind of like, man, I'd be dead. I'd, I'd be I'd be so unlucky. I, I would be just fucking in the middle of nowhere and uh, mm-hmm. torn asunder by like fucking grenades or mines or yeah. something like that. But uh, so, yeah, that's don't always... don't worry, because <laughs> if any of these like situations do happen, you're on you're near the top of my list of people to take out Bef- before uh, anyone gets sent anywhere. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, I'm trying to spare people. And also, I have some uh, debts to settle. So uh, I'm, I'm just saying if there was ever like another world war, don't worry about getting drafted. You won't even make it that far. Right. You're just going to become a one man wrecking crew. <laughs> Oh, I'll end you. No. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that sounds interesting. Yeah. So that movie was yeah. very cool. Uh, I watched another one called Bitter Victory that was a Nicholas Ray movie. I wasn't a big fan of it, even though it's like Richard Burton in it and like Christopher Lee, like in one of the, gotta be like one of the mm-hmm. earlier things I've seen. It's like strange seeing him not be Dracula. 
or Count Dooku. Yep. Um, he's just a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that movie was like fine. But it's like even in an hour and 40 minutes, it drug a lot. It looked nice, but not much to say about it. Uh, and then I watched a Western to uh, break things up a little bit mm-hmm. more. And uh, that was uh, the one, the highlight of it was uh, someone called Rio Conchos, which I watched strictly because it uh, co starred Jim Brown. Uh, Ooh, uh, downtown uh, Jimmy Brown. Yeah, a uh, common name here in the last few weeks. Uh, yep. So this is one of, like, this is actually his first movie, his, his debut. Uh, he's just uh, a Union soldier. Um, this movie stars one of my favorite Western types, my favorite, one of my fave actors, a guy named Richard mm-hmm. Boone. Who like he mm. like every time he's in something, uh, I don't know if they just like write to him and then they just come up with shit that he would say and it would sound awesome when he says it because he always kind of pretty well plays the same character. He's a total character actor. Like he's just mm-hmm. Richard Boone in everything he's in, and uh, yeah. here he is like a ex like Confederate soldier who makes his business now out in like New Mexico, Arizona, just killing Apaches, and right. uh, he. After they've like murdered his wife and children, so he's just basically a one man revenge crew, kind of like you would be in the post uh, in a mm-hmm. apocalypse. And mm-hmm. uh, he runs into some uh, Union soldiers who are trying to figure out where all these stolen repeater rifles have gone. And they see that he has one, and so they're like, "Well, where the hell did you buy this?" He doesn't want to work with them because I mean, all those all those uh, old uh, <clears throat> uh, thoughts about this, the North and the South are still well with him. Mm-hmm. But eventually, he realizes that uh, it'd be in his best interest to get out of this like jail cell that they're just going to keep him in forever uh, to just mm-hmm. play along with them to get out of there. And so he does, uh, and it turns into this like uh, adventure story of these people just going out to the old west looking for these guns. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the first things they run into is uh, some banditos, and of course, uh, the leader uh, bandito, of course, is a very ugly Mexican man who laughs a lot, which is like nice. one of my favorite uh, cliche tropes because <laughs> it's just like I'm yeah. not sure if it started with Treasure of Sierra Madre or not, but every time I see it, it's just like became a thing, especially like in Italian spaghetti western stuff. Like it's mm-hmm. they're always there with their gun belts and hats and stuff, and sombreros. It's classic. Nice. Uh, but yeah, this movie's cool. Uh, it like almost turns into a James Bond movie at the end, which is like fantastic, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Um, but yeah, good, some good violence, good storytelling, good character stuff, everything you want in a western. Uh, I, I'm like, it's really weird. This movie's like doesn't have much of a reputation. No one really talks about it. And like in mm-hmm. the grand scheme of things, I mean, it's probably like a it's like a B tier western. But I think for a B tier western, western, it's like tops. Like it's excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. Like that one quite a bit. What was uh, that called? Real Conchos? Yeah. Uh, cool. the other, and of course, like the, the secondary one, kind of like uh, Bitter Victory that I watched Real Conchos was uh, one called mm-hmm. Fort Massacre, which has an awesome name. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and even like less people have ever watched this movie. Uh, it just mm. stars uh, Western star Joel McCree, uh, who is also a racist soldier. Nice. He's a Union soldier. Um, and it also starts in media res, uh, and -hmm. it's like, they're like kind of out in the middle of nowhere and they have to get back to a fort and a bunch of Apaches are trying to kill them all. And, uh, he just, it's just a racist man whose family was also killed. Like, it's strange how all these movies like came out within like the same few years and they're the hidden Mm -hmm. same notes. They're very late. I guess it's all very lazy, but nowadays it's like, Ooh, this is fresh to watch. Um, but yeah, it was like fine, but like it didn't really do anything super interesting beyond be like, yep, this is a very competent average Western. So mm-hmm. um, it, didn't, it did not live up to its sweet name. 
Um, and then one last hmm. movie I'll talk about is, uh, so we're talking about Douglas Sirk tonight. And I was like looking up his filmography and I was like, hey, mm-hmm. apparently he directed a film noir that <gasps> uh, that our university library has a copy of called Lurd. It's starring uh, Lucille Ball and Boris Karloff. And I was like, what? Yeah. So I was like, well, count me in. I mean, I'm watching all this stuff. I'm going to watch this one yeah. too. And so, uh, yeah, I started watching this. It's like set in England, which is like a really weird setting for a film noir even though it's Mm -hmm. like i don't know this movie felt like it was a lot of sets and it didn't feel quite right it's not a period piece but yeah there's something about movies set in london that make those movies feel like period pieces like pre-1950 yeah Um, i know and so i don't know like lucille ball basically she plays Lucy. Lucy? Yeah. Like, yeah. so she's just like, tough girl, talks like this, and she's sassy. And it's like, okay, that's fine. But so the movie follows, it's like about a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it came out in 1947. And this guy's just like killing girls that he like lures out uh, using want ads. And then they just mm-hmm. up and disappear. Uh, Lucille Ball's friend at this dance club that they work at, she disappears. And then she mm-hmm. goes to the police and then the police go, I like I like your ability to observe things. You seem really competent, American woman in England. Here, I will make you a deputy like nice. detective. And they just do that. That's the scene. Uh, you're Now you're a detective working for the police department and you're going to help us catch the serial killer. Because that's what happens. Mm-hmm. And it's Isn't just, it? Yeah. So, I mean, like, okay, it's the 40s. I guess this is more, like, acceptable as a story to- storytelling thing. But I was just like, yeah. I'm not, not into this at all. And I'm definitely, like, not into Lucille Ball's thing. Like, like her, like, I don't know. She should be in straight comedies. This movie's trying to be, like, kind of a lighthearted serial killer movie. Um, but, no. I mean, this, this movie's, like, before, you know, like, 50 years before Silence of the Lambs. So I'm not expecting that sort of like grimness yeah. or but like we do live in a world of like Jack the Ripper having been a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's like a bunch of movies about that at this point. Yeah. Just like, I don't know, Boris Karloff shows up and he's like in it for 10 minutes, total <laughs> red herring. And then there's like more red herrings because that's what mm-hmm. all these forties movies seem to be sometimes. And uh, yeah, so not very <laughs> good. <laughs> Well, that's a little disappointing. Yeah, so that was like my, and that was like actually the first Douglas Sirk movie I've ever watched. So I was kind of like, mm-hmm. hmm, well, hopefully it gets better from here, which we will figure out and find out after uh, the break in a little bit. Wait, does that mean you had, you have never seen these two movies that we had watched? Today? I had no, or never had. Oh, I had, for some reason I had thought you had seen nope. such films. I had not. I had not. Hmm. Um, I don't know if there's anything else I'll talk about from my movies. I watch a lot of stuff. How's House by the River by Fritz Lang's quite nice. Uh, Is that that one where uh, the girl gets raped and then the rapists go to their house and get and the parents get revenge? No, that's that's other movies that have titles kind of like that. It's not The Last House by the River. Oh, it's just well, whatever. It's that's just close enough. it's just well, actually, it kind of 
is kind of that type of movie. It starts off. It's about well, a writer. <laughs> it's about a writer. It's about a writer who probably yeah. has some designs to maybe do that. But before he can get all rapey, he uh, mm. inadvertently strangles her to death. And now he's nice. and now he's got a body on his hands. And then his brother comes hmm. by, uh, and he's like, "What the hell did you do?" And he convinces his brother to help dump this body in this river that runs by their mm-hmm. by the guy's house down south. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's kind of like a, a nice Edgar Allan Poe-ishness to the story where it's this river and it's like set up right at the beginning about like how garbage that gets thrown in there. It keeps coming back and floating up and down the river, depending on uh, the current and it just keeps coming back. So this idea that the body would keep coming of floating back and forth in front of the house sounds mm-hmm. like, oh, that sounds awesome. But yeah. they kind of abandon that too quickly. And then it turns into a, like, there's like a quite long courtroom scene which seems to be a thing that Fritz Lang goes to a lot in his movies Um, and yeah so I mean that part is like fine and then the movie just plays out the way you would um, writer starts like kind of making it look like it's his brother who actually killed her but his brother's actually a really good guy who basically just helped his brother because he was lied to thinking he was giving his brother a break uh, because oh Mm -hmm. my, my wife's pregnant you can't send me to jail it'll ruin all our lives and he's like Fine, I'll help you dump this woman's body in a river. Mm-hmm. It's 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 the era, man. These these movies have some questionable politics. Um, um I mean, no more than what we do, I suppose. Uh, but you yeah, know? so the movie looks really nice. Uh, it's actually one of the better Fritz Lang movies I've watched for whatever reason. Yeah. I decided last year I would like watch all of the movies that Fritz Lang directed while he was in America. I decided this right after we watched M way back mm-hmm. when around Christmas time. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm like, I got, I think 10 more to go. I'm 15 in. Uh, it's been worth doing, I guess. Uh, there's the one I'm really excited to rewatch is the big heat, uh, which was like oh, yeah. his, his big, uh, uh, kind of nasty film noir movie with Lee Marvin. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's been a while since I watched it, but I'm excited to get to that, but I'm a few mm-hmm. moves away from there, but yeah, I'll leave it at that. Oh, is that all you creeped on? Yep, that's what I'll talk nice. about. Hey, RJ, you got any news you want to talk about? Uh, I was going to talk about that Nintendo Labo, which sounds pretty cool. You could but... tell me about it because I have no idea what that is. Oh, no? Okay, well, I only kind of know. I only I, I briefly looked at this right before I left work, and then I came to right as soon as I got home, I did the show because I'm dedicated to the show and to the fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as I got here, I looked, and um, it's like a peripheral that Nintendo is making and it's all these cardboard things that like can be bought cheap and can be assembled around like a switch and controllers. So it's like, there's things like you can make a piano and put the switch into it and then you can play the cardboard. So it's like a really cheap way to like make peripheral items for the Nintendo. Hmm. Uh, I think it sounds really cool. Apparently the internet is really mad about it. Uh, because uh, adult people are like, this isn't gaming and Nintendo's like, this is for kids. <laughs> this is for kids who like need, or it's like for one new thing for them to like, just like, you know, it's like a cool idea for kids, right? Like it's something to do to, to help expand the lifespan of their console. But anyways, I thought that was cool, but I have something more important I want to talk to you about. Okay. I was thinking, uh, I neglected to, when we talked about mother, last week or a week before I forgot the scene that made me the most uncomfortable. Oh, 
Uh, and it, I brought, it brings up a question today because we were talking about birthday cake and stuff like that. There's a scene in Mother where she makes a cake for uh, Javier Bardem. And she gives him the cake. And one, it's, it's a special cake for him, right? Mm-hmm. It's a special cake for him. And some guy's like, here, I'll cut the cake, uh, which is like a shitty thing anyways. Um, but this guy takes this big spoon and just sticks it in the middle of the cake and starts hammering this spoon out, cutting out a piece of cake. And that made me so fucking uncomfortable. I was like, what kind of animal could do such a thing? But it also got me thinking, how do you eat cake? With a spoon or with a fork? Fork. How do you eat pie with a spoon or a fork? Fork. Have you seen these people that eat cake and pie with spoons? Uh, have I seen them in the yeah. w- in the wild? Just in real life. Not have you that eat, I've eat, ever noticed? Not that you've noticed. Yeah. Okay. So it doesn't mean it's not happening. You're you're just saying that you've never noticed something. Correct. Okay. Because usually, because uh, like I, usually at like if you go to a restaurant and like they, if you get dessert, they give you a fork. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what I think also. But I've noticed this trend lately where a lot of people are eating their cake with spoons and it really bothers me because it's like you don't have optimal scoop in that spoon where you can like clean it out the same way like with a fork. Mm. And it's just – I just wanted to get someone else's opinion on that because um, frankly, I've had it. I mean – I've had it with the thing. I mean but what about the madness of somebody eating ice cream with a fork? Imagine that. Okay, so here's the thing. What if, uh, say, you have a slice of apple pie, yeah. some warm apple pie, a la mode, a la mode. You got a slice of ice cream on there. Do you, you fork, eat the you, whole? You, you fork it. You fork it with yeah. So you're forking ice cream. See, I I left him speechless because of these hot yeah. issues that we're bringing up on the the show. Oh, <laughs> I, I thought you were continuing on. There's like yeah, no. you you fork, <laughs> you fork it. All right, well. This isn't interesting. This isn't news. It was just something I thought of. Okay. Uh, anyways, what's anyways, up with you? Uh, well, uh, Criterion put out their newsletter with their announcements yesterday. Oh, right, right. Uh, what do we got here? We got ourselves The Virgin Suicides mm-hmm. uh, by that Sofia Coppola. Uh, that yep. is coming to the collection. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that movie? Yeah, I have. I uh, I stumbled upon it once when I was like... I don't know when. What year did that movie come out? Like two thousand two oh, or earlier? Earlier, ninety nine. Nineties. Okay, that that's all I need to know. I saw that movie on show uh, showcase or so Showtime, one time uh, in the summer, like in the middle of the night when I was like eleven, and I was just like, "What is this movie?" And mm-hmm. I thought it was like a real story, because I I thought it was one of those movies. It's like this was true events, mm-hmm. and I was just like, "Oh my god." I was like, "What is this?" That that, that movie poster actually, uh, it's it's it reminds me of um, that picnic at Hanging Rock vibe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're yeah, your face. That movie sucks. Oh, it you could admit it too. It that movie sucks. I don't think it sucks. I, that's that's harsh. That's that's okay. RJ hyperbole. You're a hyperbole. Yeah. What do you think of that? We got ourselves another Cary Grant edition to the Criterion Collection. <laughs> the the Awful Truth. Oh, uh, my favorite. A Leo McCary movie, Irene Dune. Uh, the poster, the, not the poster, the, the, the packaging, the DVD cover for this, the Blu-ray cover. It's awesome. I love it. It's one of my, actually, one of the better covers they've come along with, I think. Hmm. Um, we also got The Color of Pomegranates, a film by Sergei Perezhanov. Uh, so this is a movie that you've probably never heard of. I only heard yeah. of it, like, 
maybe in the last six months. And but it's like one of these movies that is like insanely well regarded. Um, but mm. I think it's only been available in like kind of like dumpy old DVDs. So okay. this is a movie that uh, now that's coming on Blu-ray. Uh, maybe it'll get more uh, huge attention on it. It's right. it's, a, it's a foreign movie, RJ, from uh, oh. from Russia, but I, th- I believe. Uh, but yeah, this movie is supposed to be really good, so I'm kind of excited that it's coming out in a nice definitive version to check out. Uh, right. We got Jim Jarmusch's Dead Man, starring Johnny Depp, and Ooh. score by that Neil Young. Neil Young. Yep. And uh, cool. I guess the other thing is like, yeah, Virgin Suicides. Have you, have you ever listened to that soundtrack by Air? The uh, much air supply, air, just air, not air supply. The French dudes, the duo. Uh, no, I have never heard of such a thing ever. Really? Okay, I thought you were into music, but uh, I only saw the Virgin Suicides once when I was a kid, and oh, I thought it was but a no, true it's, story, it's, it's, it and it scared like me. More people are into the soundtrack, I think, than the movie itself. I think. Well, I'll look into it. Yeah, it seems like something you'd be into, but maybe, uh, maybe not. I I hate the soundtrack. I, I think it's like super underrated. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying. Like, I think you would lot, really like it. A lot. Of, no, what I'm saying is like, I, I I'm a weirdo though. Like I like because yeah, well, wait, because l- lots of people like that soundtrack, and I just don't. I'm not into air. Uh, it's like it's it's electronic music, but like it's, as far as like electronic music goes, I don't think it's that good. I think there's better stuff. But uh, I'm weird, and you might really be into it because I mean you're also like really into Radiohead in a way that I am not. Well, I, I okay, so I'm just looking. Oh, you don't like Radiohead? What are you fucking? Ah, he's fine. They're fine. I, I'm not like a hey. fan. I would never call myself a fan of Radiohead though. <laughs> okay. Well, you're weird. But uh, <laughs> anyways, I'm looking at the soundtrack here, and I'm seeing some all-time bangers. Like uh, the Hollies and Boston and Steely Dan and uh, Al Green and even the Bee Gees, which I think you're a fan of. That's so not, wait, so does that, Eric that, cover their songs? Is that what this is? Uh, I don't know. It's all original music. Well, it says mention. Oh wait, it's the score. I'm talking about. I'm talking about. The, it's the actual score that oh, they did. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. Yeah. If if it's anything like these bands that are mentioned in the credits, no. I'm down with that. Well, Sticks. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that, that's more like the music that shows up in the movie. Uh, okay. And then the other thing is Eclipse. It's actually an Eclipse set that they haven't put out one of those for a while. Ingrid Bergman's Swedish Years. Who uh, not to be confused with it? not Ingmar, who it's what? his it's his hundredth birthday this year as well. Really? Yeah. You so. know you know who uh, shares this wonderful birthday with me today? Who? A lot of celebrities, my man. What? Jim Carrey. Who I've mentioned before yeah. is a big, big inspiration of mine, and uh, a buddy of yours, uh, Mr. John Carpenter. Uh huh. No, that was yesterday. Was that yesterday? Yeah. Oh uh, well, uh, Muhammad Ali's birthday was today before he died. <laughs> it was still his so. birthday at some point. Uh, he's let just, me. He's not around to celebrate. Let me see here. Celebrity uh, birth. No, did you see the uh, John? Did you see the John Carpenter thing from yesterday? Where it was like I, I, ro- I saw Rotten Tomatoes. So. No, Rotten Tomatoes had posted it was like John Carpenter would have been seventy years old this today, and people were like, oh. "What?" And it's like, "Oh, whoops!" And they deleted it and went, "Yeah, we made a mistake. He's not dead." But there's like oh. people who thought like he had died. But it's he like, died. "No, you idiots! This is people don't know how to write. Like, there's." Made, they made a mistake. No one. They didn't announce that he had died. They just said if he was alive, which means like, well, he is. So you're uninformed. Anyway, I uh, I understand. Yeah. So I don't know if you're interested, but I don't care. <laughs> uh, so I mentioned Jim Carrey. Other notable celebrities who were born today: Jarrett, Betty White, 
who is now 96. Wow. James Earl Jones at a whopping 87. Maury Povich, your buddy. Steve Harvey. Uh, Zoe Deschanel. And Kid Rock. Whoa. So uh, that's pretty cool. The Kid Rock. The Kid Rock. Mm -hmm. Great. Great. We're doing good today. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I think that's good. Yep, we're good. Let's talk. Let's talk about movies. Cool. Uh, after the break, um, I don't know. RJ is going to tell me what he thinks about these movies we've watched. Nice. <laughs> How that, right. that that is like actually what's going to happen. That is pretty close. That's a twist. Mm hmm. And you don't think I can? I think all you see is a good-looking set of muscles. Why, Ned? All right, maybe I'm a snob. But it isn't just a question of whether he's a gardener. They'll say he's younger than you are. And the fact that you're a widow. What has that got to do with it? With money. Their lives were worlds apart. Carrie's world was bound by the country club set. Their smug pretensions and their spiteful gossip. Never too late, huh, Gary? Line forms to the right. Howard, why, Gary? I'm married up for you. Maybe you'd better stay right where you are. Ron's world was boundless. The great outdoors, the things that grow, and real people who give and take all that heaven allows of love and happiness. Carrie, let's face it. You were ready for a love affair, but not for love. 
God knows I love you. But I won't let Ned nor Kane or anyone else run our lives, Carrie. Don't you see we'd never be happy if we did? I can see that you don't want to listen to anybody's ideas but your own. And I can see that you're trying to make me choose between you and the children. And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast. Tonight we are talking about, first up, All That Heaven Allows from 1955, directed by Douglas Sirk. The tagline of this film, How much does heaven allow a woman in love? <laughs> and the synopsis from Letterboxd, predicated on a May-December romance. The difference here is that the woman, attractive widow Carrie Scott, <laughs> is considerably older than the man, handsome gardener landscaper Ron Kirby. Throwing conventional behavior to the winds and facing social ostracism, Carrie pursues her romance with Ron, who is unjustly perceived as a fortune hunter by Carrie's friends and family, especially her priggish brother Ned. That's not her brother, that's her son. Yeah. Who wrote this? A fool who, I guess, didn't pay attention very much to the movie. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I had never watched a Douglas Sirk movie in my life, somehow. Um, Mm -hmm. Because on paper, uh, these movies both are regarded as classics, but at the Mm -hmm. same time, they are 1950s melodramas. Uh, And people who've been listening to the show for a while probably have an idea of the types of movies that I like to watch, (laughs) which is like... Unpleasant, yeah. like I like my movies unpleasant, uh, nasty, gory, violent, weird, dark, uh, unusual. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of those movies in the world, and I still haven't watched like all of them or anything like that. But you know, movies like All That Heaven Allows, The World of Douglas Sirk, of like niceness and kind of like I don't know, pleasantries and breaking of social norms and that sort of conventional stuff, it's kind of like, yeah. Meh. It's not really high on my list of things I go out of my way to watch. Um, mm-hmm. So that's what this Criterion Creep is all about, is kind of getting around to watching those movies. Um, kind of like eating your vegetables, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, first time watching, and this movie's pretty awesome, RJ. Um, really? Yeah, it's pretty good. Wow. Yeah. So um, broad strokes on this, what I like about it. Mm-hmm. I guess, like, as far as, like, uh, American melodrama films could go from this period of time, I think this movie does it perfectly. Uh, yeah. It's everything you kind of would expect for this sort of movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, like, it has going for it as, like, if, if this is a prime example of it, and it, it checks all the boxes uh, while also being a really well-made, well-acted movie. Um, so we got Rock Hudson, who is, mm-hmm. like, Douglas Sirk's boy. He is in all these movies. He's in mm-hmm. these. He's in these two plus a couple other ones that I, I'm pretty. At least one other one is in the uh, Criterion Collection as well. Um, so he's in all that stuff, and he's just like he's the '50s Hollywood like actor, big superstar actor, who, the heartthrob like me, like you. Uh, yeah. Yep. Closeted and uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> or do you, do not tell me you don't know about Rock Hudson. <laughs> 
I've never heard of them before. These two movies. Holy and, crap! Uh, we saw the I credit. Uh, I thought we saw, I'd bring it up now, but uh. we we saw the credit and we saw Rock Hudson and and uh, me and Andrea looked at each other and we said, "Oh, that's a man's name." Wow, you you millennial tykes. Well, let me see here. Uh, I have seen him in three movies. Yeah. Uh, two that we watched tonight and Winchester 73, which you lent me. Yes. Yeah. And he's kind of oh. like not re- like this is like these were the movies that he like carved his name into stone as far as like being like the big actor kind of thing. Like, these so were, how like, would the- I know about him? Well, OK. So back in the the, the early days of the AIDS scare and the outbreak and oh, like no. the, 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 the AIDS terror, uh, Rock, yeah. Rock Hudson uh, was like one of the like first real famous people to have AIDS. And mm. it was like one of those like, huh, that's weird. Him being straight. And so like at the time, this idea was yep. like, oh, it's the gay plague and it only kills gay people, that shit. So, <laughs> but there's like, yeah, whatever. The There's the fact that like, yeah, like your guys like Freddie Mercury, um, other like, yeah. like, like Liberace and stuff like that. Uh, they'd have like, it's like, that was kind of like how some people like they got really sick all of a sudden in this mm-hmm. period of time in the eighties. Uh, and then there's always like, well, what, what is up? What's the deal with the raw cuts? And, and so, cause like it goes against this image of him being just like this embodiment of like white heterosexuality. And like, so it's like, kind of like when you read people write about these movies now, they kind of talk about the fact that it's strange watching Rook Hudson being this like leading man, man. and talking with all these, like macking on all these uh. ladies and making eyes, but it's like, it's stupid, right? It's like, Actors yeah. are actors. Like they have, they pretend to be attracted to people all the time. And yeah, like they're, men pretend to be gay in movies and then do those roles, uh, and vice versa. It's just like it's a strange thing that like I guess just at one point this was more of like a like a whoa blow your mind. Rock yeah. Hudson like it was a talking point. So it's interesting that you and Andrea had didn't even know about that because I remember like yeah. a window of time where this was still like a talking point about mm-hmm. like people make jokes about like Rock Hudson and stuff like. Like that and like right. uh there's always the line like i think it's like an english cockney there's like when someone gets called doris day it's because it sounds yeah. like gay and that's because rock hudson and doris day did all these comedies together and it's like this what? weird yeah no seriously it's <laughs> that's like, such a stretch it, well it's the connections of things and it's like it was so matter of okay. fact that everybody knew what that was and yeah, yeah that that's sort of the weird linkages hmm. that people have made uh so anyway so I, I haven't seen a ton of Rock Hudson movies either, but I mean, like, I had like a hell of a career. He was in, uh, yeah. he made a bunch of movies and he was like uh, on some television show. Uh, he was a, I can't remember what the hell it's called, top of my head. So it was like a husband and wife detective show. Uh, someone okay. will, someone will be like t- saying what it is out loud as they listen to this, but whatever. Uh, yeah, it's anyway, fine. Yeah, and, and he's even in a movie with my boy Jim Brown, Ice Station Zero. Downtown Jimmy Brown? That's right. Whoa. Anyway, that's enough about Rock Hudson. Uh, who in this is very cool. Good. Uh, yeah, uh, I was just, while you're on it, I was just going to say, uh, knowing that now, it doesn't like, I'm not like, oh my God, that guy's gay. He's a bear. He's just like a man, man, you know? Mm-hmm. He just liked other dudes. Big so that's cool. I mean, it's like you said, actors have to pretend to be attracted to people all the time. Yeah. You think Brad Pitt was attracted to Antonio Banderas in that vampire movie? <laughs> Probably not in real life, but in the movie he was. Mm-hmm. Wait. Well... Wait, did they get down in that movie? I have no idea. Like, what, I was that it's my fan it's, it's, it's your favorite movie. You, you tell yeah. me. All right. uh, so anyway, 
yeah, I mean, I just think this movie, I don't know. I didn't really take a super ton of notes or anything of like that. I just like random things about like, sure. look at Rock Hudson's Pompadour and things about yeah. like, oh, yeah, so it's so strange. Like another movie I watched uh, right before this was uh, called The Lawless, and it's from 1950, 1951. Uh, and it had yeah. like a scene that jumped out at me right away. It was like this old man was burning leaves on the curb, and I was like, Oh God, like no one does that at all anymore. I don't think at least around this area because of our winds and stuff like that. But here we are like right at the bat and all that heaven allows is another pile of burning leaves out on the curb. And I'm like, ah, the fifties. Yeah. I was, uh, I was surprised by that also. <laughs> I, cause I wrote that down. I said, is that burning gutter leaves? <laughs> I was like, what the hell's going on here? It's a, it was, the, anyways, it was a thing. Uh, yeah. yeah so, I mean, so the story is about this Carrie Scott lady and, uh, she's a widow and -hmm. she's got her like, I mean, adult children who act way younger than they kind of, or they look older than their characters act, I guess is kind of the, the weirdness of this movie. Uh, they're off at school. One's at Princeton. Um, and she's just trying to like, I don't know, she's dating those older men on the scene of this community they live in. And then uh, Ruck Hudson, he is the gardener. His dad used to run the business, and he's died, and now he's taken over. And yep. uh, they start hitting it off. And, like, I don't know, I, I think that they have pretty, like, compared to uh, the, the some of the movies we've watched recently, which are predicated on these, like, great love stories, like I Know Where mm-hmm. I'm Going, uh, this movie actually has some genuine, I, I felt, like, on-screen chemistry. Um, yeah. And, uh, I don't know. No, you're right. It uh, it actually did. It had like, uh, I mean, must have been good actors if this dude was a gay boy and uh, he was still <laughs> like. It, it seemed like they were genuinely interested in yep. each other. It was good chemistry. Yeah. Like uh, whatever the movie you brought up was that movie you watched the other day, <laughs> where those people completely just have could not care less about each other. I yeah I I never accepted I never was brought into their story at all unlike this nah. where I was like like yeah this is cool like, it's like <laughs> but so anyway and then the movie proceeds from there just kind of with the uh, the fifties melodramaness of like yeah. oh I don't know about this this is unacceptable why is she dating this man from a lower class but it's like <laughs> well, look at him <laughs> look at him. look at look at this He's... strapping buck of a man. Well, that's what I mean. Is like that lady's getting sexed raw mm-hmm. because of this like handsome flannel mar- flannel wearing motherfucker. There's a scene in this movie, Jarrett, where this dude is feeding a deer out of his his hands, and it's just like if that's not a man, <laughs> I don't know what is. Yeah, uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, and then it's just the struggle of will they will will they won't they. Uh, will societal yep. pressures get to them and prevent them from being together? Yep. And that's the that's the through line. Uh, this is a, a happier era of filmmaking, mm-hmm. so it ends happily with uh, the couple getting together, and we're like, right. yes. Uh, so yeah, I I think this movie is like really good. Uh, I'm glad I finally got around to watching it. Hey RJ, what did you think of All That Heaven Allows? Uh, I can't believe that you like this movie. Movie. Hmm. 
Uh, no, not not that uh, drastic. I'm surprised that you like this movie. I didn't think you would like either of these. Uh, I watched these with Andrea mm-hmm. uh, as uh, is the new cool. the new fad, and as they are women's pictures. Uh, women's pictures. That, that was the old uh, uh, label that these movies got tossed onto them, so that you don't have to take them seriously because they're just yeah. for women. Yeah, no, exactly. They were uh, the chick flicks. Um, yeah. No, I uh, told her, I read her the synopses for both of these, and she's like, ooh, yeah, those sound good. She's like, those <laughs> sound hot and steamy. And I was like, yeah, girl, let's watch this shit. So we uh, we popped these uh, fuckers on. We made some popcorn. Uh, Andrea liked uh, both of them. Uh, she thought, well, we're talking about All That Heaven Allows. She liked All That Heaven Allows. Mm-hmm. Uh, she thought it was a good, good story. Uh, I also liked this movie uh i didn't super like it but i can i see why other people would um i like it i think it's a little cheesy but i mean that's kind of the point yeah uh, like a lot like you know a lot of this movie is like kind of not like slogans or like cliched th- trope things like that it's like the stuff they say is like i think the way people talked in the 50s it's like watch out jimmy squeaky wheel gets the grease it's like and like tip in their hat but it's like i think that's how people actually talk there um yeah some people i, I think there's like an element of construction of like yeah. stylization of like because like this is also like post haze code where people slept in separate beds and stuff yeah, like that yeah. and so you had to like like you you wanted to make movies that like kind of like were also sort of instructional about like how people should relate to one another and so that also kind of led into how people interacted with one another to a yep. certain degree un- until the alcohol started flowing yeah and, and, then, it all and then you see the horn down. dogs yeah yeah that's the thing uh that's comment on both movies by the way uh dudes in the 50s just loved groping women and uh, <laughs> apparently it's not even a 50s thing that's just a everyday thing i guess yeah uh but um no i like this movie uh i could i'd watch this again in a couple years probably um i think they pair pair really well together too but uh no i liked all that heaven allows um i think the horn dog dudes are really funny uh i did like you said i did think that they had really good chemistry on screen uh and uh big rock hudson uh that was my brock lesnar there for you um he was uh he's great man uh he's like a man it's like i said he's feeding deer and uh the lady whatever her name is the mom gene gene simmons yes uh, whatever the lady was, I thought she was, uh, or a chart. Jane Wyman is the actress. Jane Wyman. Yeah. Okay. Hey, uh, fun I fact, thought she was great. Fun, hey, uh, RJ, how, yeah. how much older do you think? Oh, uh, we, Jane we both Wyman. guessed. Yeah. We, we made this guess, uh, the conclusion we came to, and I, I did not look this up. I think rock Hudson is older than she was false. Okay, how how much older was she? So the this is like the most controversial thing in this film, which is about like how he's so much younger than her. Well, yeah. she, the actress, was a whopping eight years older than Rock Hudson. You can't tell. I couldn't. I I honestly thought he was older than she was. Really? I I mean, I could tell that she was older than him which i i mean it's so strange because it's like fuck we lived in like there's like the one comment in this movie wasn't it like how oh you know if they're like not if they're if they're not younger than 18 he doesn't even look at him <laughs> and you're like Ugh. yeah it's like, Ugh. it's like but it's like so well, like but it's not even like creepy it's like because this was a different era where like yeah like there could be like 
10 to 20 years difference between yep. a man and a woman at one point. And nowadays that would be like, it, it could still happen, but I think people look at that worse now than they do an older woman with a younger man. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, yeah. the, the times have changed. Um, yeah. Well, it's not as noticeable as like future creep Harold and Maude where it's like 60 years. Well, that's but the, like, yeah, that's the extreme uh, the step extre- up. Yeah. But um, no, I don't know. I thought it was like, I thought it was just maybe a miscast. Like it was a uh, Steve McQueen type deal from the blob <laughs> where it's like a 34 year old man playing like 15. And it's like, let's go down and play some jacks kids. Right. Mm. Uh, so we, we just thought that rock Hudson looked old. We're like, we don't, I was like, I don't know how old he's supposed to be in this. Right. Like he's, he's a kid of a gardener. Like, is he supposed to be like 18 <laughs> yeah, or is he supposed yeah. to be like 29? Like, I don't get it. So, uh, I just, I couldn't tell because he's such a charming man mm-hmm. that, um, he had such broad features. I was like, I don't know how old this fucking guy is. Well, so, he was 30 when they made that movie and she was what? Uh, 38. Yeah. It's not that bad. Yeah, I know. Oh, the but, old, the old, the old bag. You gotta marry some. You gotta marry this like fucking fifty-five-year-old man. You're, you're no good. Yeah, and that dude sucked. He was like, oh, one drinks my limit. He was like, hey, chappy. Uh, so that's the thing too. Like, so um, I thought the lady did a really good job because you really feel for her because she's a good actress, but also, oh yeah, her, everyone her around her and stuff like that is so, so fucking shitty. That it's just like her kids are oh, the fucking worst. no. Her daughter's her not her, her. Oh, Ned. Her piece of shit son is just such a fucking dink. Oh, he, he's and like the, do- the best lines in this fucking movie, RJ. Which one? Where do you expect us to live? <laughs> oh yeah, it's like well, you. It's like dude, because what? Where does he keep talking about like Princeton or Yale or some yeah, shit? He's probably Yaley. Yeah, he 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 talks about it. It's like dude, you live at Yale. Yeah. It's like you've, you've mentioned that like nine times. When you're I, fucking 20 well, some when, years old. You're not going to sell this house when I move back. Where, where are we going to stay? <laughs> and it's like, uh, well, you just, you don't, you, you move, you, you can go stay on the it's, couch or wherever the hell they move afterwards. Motherfucker. They're, they're both at university. It's like yeah. you live on your own now. That's how it works. Yeah. So he drove me crazy because he's just really shitty. Oh, fuck, um, Ned's the worst. She, the daughter also drove me crazy because she was always like taking her glasses off and she's like, well, psychology from Freud would say, and it just fucking made me so I, 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 mad. Good, but it's accurate. That is it, how, I know, I that, know. That's, that's, that's how, how those, people are. That's how those young, young kids are fresh out of I, university with all those big ideas that those uh, ivory tower types are filling their heads with thinking yeah. they know how the world works. And she's just putting it as was it uh, uh, putting things into practice out from theory and it's very important to do so she's like i don't know and then she breaks from that when she's like wait you're marrying who (laughs) and then and even she breaks down and she can't handle it and then man that that final shitty scene at christmas holy fuck yeah oh when when they're just like hey mom we're gonna shit all over you even though we we gave up everything helped you ruin your life (laughs) yeah oh here's a here's, here's a tv bitch yeah, it's like you're lonely now, aren't you? Here's a TV set, and then Ned's like, "Fine, I'll make the martinis." Oh, oh he a... he's the worst. So, anyways, everyone surrounding her is such shit that it's like you you do feel bad for her. Um, and uh, so she the she was really good. Uh, I thought Rock Hudson was good. Um, and the movie looks great too. I thought this movie <laughs> yeah. looked really well or really well. 
oh, this movie look well. Uh, this movie looks great too. So no, this is a it's a good show. Like it is. Um, My, Andrea liked it more than I did, and I think you liked it more than I did too. But uh, I I did enjoy it. I'll I'll watch it again one day. Yeah, uh, one of my favorite details on the production side of this movie is the like the fake frosting on the windows. Um, like mm-hmm. that stuff looks. It looks. I mean, yeah, it, I love it, that. It looks. I mean, it's fake, right? Like it doesn't look yeah. real, but it looks so good. Like you're like, man, I'd love. Like I just, it looks exactly the way frost should look, and it's like. Yeah. Obviously not winter or whatever, but yeah, it looks wonderful. Um, there's like all, all those shots of them at the cabin in front of that big window that he's built, the blues yeah. and stuff like that. Those scenes are so good looking. Like it's like mm-hmm. some of the best shot. Like that's like, of course, when I look it up, I'm like, yeah, everyone else like seems to think so too. Cause it's like a pretty common screen cap of those scenes yeah. in front of that window. Cause you don't get light like that at all. Like you couldn't, yeah. you couldn't replicate it. It looks so great. Well, you couldn't, but uh, 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 not I. Not I. You've you've never seen my uh, handiwork. Yeah, your uh, beautiful scenic window with your deerts. My deerts. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a good show. Yeah. No, this movie's very, very. I, I, I it's a great movie. Um, uh, it deserves the accolades that it's received. Um, I agree. Cool. All right. Um, after a trailer break, we will talk about the second Douglas Sirk movie uh, of the evening, written on the wind. I'll have you. Marriage or no marriage. I'm in love with you. So much so that I want to marry you. Universal International presents Rock Hudson as Mitch Wayne, who owed everything to the oil-rich Hadleys. Lauren Bacall, who had married Kyle Hadley too soon. Robert Stack as headstrong Kyle Hadley. Dorothy Malone as Kyle's sister. In a tense, frank drama woven of the raw realism of life itself. I didn't take her to the motel. She took me. Your daughter's a tramp, mister. If that ain't plain enough for you, I can put it... As long as he could remember, Mitch, the outsider, the friend, had lent his strength to the Hadleys. To Kyle, too rich, too charming, tortured by a secret that made him lash out at all he loved. To Mary Lee, tormented by longings too strong to control. I can think of much better things than making smart talk. To Lucy, whom Mitch loved in silence because she was Kyle's wife. I respect my marriage. Haven't I? She have children. There's nothing wrong with Lucy. You've never cared about me. Or your wife. And why are you putting your two cents in? Only because of Mitch. Because I've never had him. And your wife has. Take me away, Mitch. Take me out of this house. Kyle, I went to see Dr. Cochran this morning. We're going to have a baby. You shouldn't have done that to me. You, Mitch, and your little... How's that nothing to do with me? You dirty... Get out before I kill you! 
And we're back. We're going to talk about Written on the Wind, Mm -hmm. the tagline for this film. This woman in his arms was now the wife of the man he called his best friend. And the synopsis from Letterboxd, Mitch Wayne is a geologist working for the Hadleys, an oil-rich Texas family. While the patriarch, Jared, works hard to establish the family business, his irresponsible son, Kyle, is an alcoholic playboy, and his daughter, Mary Lee, is the town tramp. Mitch harbors a secret love for Kyle's unsatisfied wife, Lucy, a fact that leaves him exposed when the jealous Mary Lee accuses him of murder. It's kind not a great synopsis. It's not super fitting to the movie, especially no. the way that the movie starts and it kind of shows you the end before the movie and it's oh, kind of like... Yeah, so... So it's it's not a great description. Yeah, so getting into this movie. This movie's got... It's a, it's a cold open. Uh, yeah, X-Files oh yeah. So, style. Comparison. So uh, All That Heaven Allows, it opens up with this really awesome crane shot of the town and mm-hmm. you get the shot through the trees and all that stuff like that. Really beautiful. This is like this jarring kind of like action-y kind of opening with like this crazy like – because they never really say what town this is. It's just like – Anywhere any, USA. Anywhere man. USA with all these giant like oil rig things all over the place. Uh, it's this very stylized mill and this, this car is just blasting on through um, uh, this day for night stuff. And then you, you see fucking Robert Stack just pounding back a bottle, driving erratically. Yeah. The shots are all kind of off. They're, they don't have like a they're, – they're a little shaky. They have like that sense of like urgency. Uh, And then he wanders off into this, stumbles in, throws, smashes that bottle, RJ style, and Mm -hmm. walks into the house, fires off a gun, and then Uh stumbles on out. And you're like, what's this movie about? What's going on? And then it goes to the back to the beginning. Um, And yeah, so uh, Written on the Wind. Hadn't seen that either. Uh, Also, Rock Hudson. He's the recurring player here. Um, yeah, this movie just follows the adventures of a poor kid, a poor kid hanging out with his rich buddy who's <laughs> got it all. And, uh, I guess the, I mean, the first scene of this movie is in the bit offices with, uh, Lauren Bacall yeah. and, uh, uh, Rock Hudson checks out those legs, those sweet gams, the gams from Ooh, behind bro. some advertising. Uh, mm-hmm. and then they're like, they kind of have this this chemistry once again between the two of them but then mm-hmm. wild eyed creepy Robert Stack shows up <laughs> uh, so okay I he's gross hey? I, I am uh, I'm a big fan of Unsolved Mysteries like yeah that, that show scared the crap out of me as a kid uh-huh. um, but like I like I have a file that's got like I don't know, like 80 hours of unsolved mysteries, like right off of television, stripped mm-hmm. off of it. I have like all those DVD sets they came out with. Uh, so I don't know. My mental image of Robert Stack is just like him, like talking about <laughs> aliens, unexplained disappearances, unsolved yeah. murders. Um, so here he is, like actually is a, a character, an actor, and he's like a, a fucking creepo. <laughs> like he's mm-hmm. like, he's like a real, like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Um, uh huh. So he's like putting the moves on uh, Lauren Bacall, but aggressively, uh, very aggressively. But like, I guess like if you're putting yourself into this mindset of like this would be kind of weird and fun being this guy's mm-hmm. like, hey, we're gonna go f- on a fucking flight because I have a plane that I fly. Hey, where do you want to go? We're going to Miami. Fuck it. Hey, you want a hotel mm-hmm. suite? Fuck it. I got that too. And 
there's like mm-hmm. it, they never explicitly state it because it was the 50s like it's yeah. like oh no hey he's doing all this nice stuff for you you gotta you gotta give him you gotta be nice to him too uh which is kind of the turning point i guess for uh old uh kyle because mm-hmm. she she's like she just takes off goes back to the airport she's gonna fly home on her own because she's she knows where this is all going and yeah. rock hudson's kind of being like left out in the cold because he kind of I guess found her first and he felt like they had yeah. something going on. And then Kyle, who's got all the money and stuff like that, uh, he's kind of swept, swept in there. But mm-hmm. I guess like something in the creepy stories that Robert Stack tells wins her over and thinks like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of get him. And you're kind of like, okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Yeah. We'll, maybe because, oh, he's going to get better. He sleeps with a gun under his pillow. <laughs> he he's mm-hmm. like there's all these comments about his like rampant alcoholism, but oh he hasn't had a drink since we got together, so it's all gonna work out great. And I'm like, yeah, that's what it's gonna be like for the rest of our lives. And he's never gonna have a drink again because you make because you he's, it's the bad boy thing, right? It's like a real thing where like girls think I'm gonna cure this guy because I'm that good and like he's a project and like, everything's gonna work out what, great. But that never happens. Can I ask you something, Jared? Yes, yeah, RJ. Was that was that the intent of this podcast? Were you like I'm gonna I'm gonna cure this bad boy, and like like you said every week you're just like maybe this week will be different maybe he won't have start the show with a a pint of white Russians. <laughs> uh, I I don't care about you. Oh, oh, <laughs> okay. So this isn't the Pygmalion uh, experiment. No. <laughs> well, that, right. the, 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 yeah, that wasn't about different sex things. Either. That wasn't about sex either. Okay. Yeah. Uh, keep going so yeah uh, I think this movie's pretty great yeah I don't I I don't like as much as uh, All That Heaven Allows I don't Uh I don't think even though this movie's got like I think a lot more interesting stuff going on for it like I love the crazy like setting of this town they're in with all the oil riggings and stuff like that like there's like a shot where like they're like leaving a bar and there's just this like oil rig thing like 20 feet away just going away and I'm like what is this place? Like, is this a common mm-hmm. thing in like the Southern States where they're just like, yeah, drill, baby, drill, drill in my backyard, please. It's like, mm-hmm. everyone's just giving up and it's all about materialism and just giving like throwing your shoulders up. Probably. Um, and so, yeah, here we have rock, rock Hudson. I mean, essentially he plays the same character. He's, yeah. he's a nice guy. There's like, what, what can you say about him? Like he's swell. His dad's like, uh, I don't know. He was a hunter, I guess. And so his mm-hmm. son again was like another, like, yeah, he's a big old tough guy who like can handle himself, but he's really nice and doesn't want, he wants to like, uh, deflate situations rather than escalate them. Unlike mm-hmm. Kyle here. Um, Kyle. Kyle. <laughs> what an asshole a, name. <laughs> what a name, eh? Kyle. Uh, Kyle. My, um, uh, one of my friends, listener or a friend of the show, Ryan Nagel, his little brother's name is Kyle. And uh, like you, he doesn't listen to music. I asked him one time. I said, "Hey, what kind of music do you like?" He said, "I don't listen to music," which is kind of like you. So you're, you're you're the Jarrets and the Kyles of the world uh, go hand in hand. Uh, well, this guy, his name's almost like mine. This patriarch fella with his yep. uh, his his boardroom. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so the other aspect of the story is that uh, Kyle's sister Mary Lee, she's a real floozy, and she's got oh, and she's yeah. like and she, so like they're all they all grew up together. She's got uh, eyes for all rock huts and and uh, uh-huh. he's just like no, no, I'm not interested. You're like a sister, like we're like yeah. it's, it's gross. I don't care how hard you like show your tits and rub up against me and rub my arms. It's just like all other dudes, especially like yeah, like I'm gonna make you jealous by banging like rig pigs here. At the old bar, uh, yeah, it's all very scabby, RJ. Real, it is scabby, real scabby. <laughs> yeah, I never understood yeah. that technique uh, where people are like, "I'm going to make you jealous by having sex with like this person." Mm-hmm. It's, it's like it's going to get like, to you. He's like, "Why is that?" I always thought that was gross. It's like, Ugh. yeah. <laughs> Ugh. So yeah, there's situations that keep popping up that, um, well, Mitch just kind of uh, outclasses Kyle. And this really, yeah. this really pisses off Kyle because he's like, he says mm-hmm. out blatantly, it's like, yeah, my dad wishes Mitch was his son and uh, he doesn't give a fuck about me. And, well, he's uh, way better. I'm a, yeah, I'm not, I, I don't have this intense stare whenever I look at anybody because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm Robert Stack. Um, yeah, uh-huh. so uh, we got uh, the chief from the television show Get Smart here as the doctor. Um, mm-hmm. so that's, that's nice. He gets to inform Kyle that, Hey, you're shooting blinks, buddy. Um, so that, that, that just sends Kyle into a downward spiral that he's like, not only like a terrible person, but he can't have children either. So it's yeah. like a great recipe. There's, that's just, it's just crank, yeah. just cranking it, cranking it, making, getting, uh-huh. squeezing out that drama. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, anyway, um, yeah, this movie's like. It's, again, it's so easy to watch both these movies. Uh, yep. There's like always something going on. You get like all the the fanciness of big star, big actors doing their thing. Um, yep. Unlike this generation of like losers that you're just told are celebrities that have no talent or presence, but they're celebrities, oh, yeah. and so we all pretend they're like great. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. this is like it's a nice thing, and I always I kind of like try to imagine watching these movies like on a big screen. And like these movies would be awesome to watch, like in a theater, yeah. uh, with like a you know, like a real polished off print or whatever. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. hey, RJ, uh, what did you think of Written on the Wind? More like Breaking Wind. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I actually liked Written on the Wind too. Uh, I, I think I um, we watched these back to back. Yep. Uh, I think they pair very well. It's a good uh, Sunday doubleheader. Um, no, I like I like this one uh, as much as all that heaven allows. Um, I think Andrea, like you, uh, liked the first one more. But uh, no, I like these both equally the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, yeah, that's really good. Um, I see why they're in the collection. Uh, they're not my favorites, but uh, I do I did really like them, and I'll probably watch them again one day. Um, I think Written on the Wind is cooler. Like, it's more of, like, a sexy movie, right? Right. Uh, not because there's, like, a slutty lady in it, but it's, like, there's danger and there's, like, uh, suspense. And it starts off with as a mystery almost where it's just, like, like you said, the cold open. It's, like, what? It's, like, how did we get here? Mm-hmm. Like, what is this thing? Um, and it's a different kind of, like, forbidden romance where it's just, like, he's, like, well, I love her. I don't know if she likes me. Maybe not. But, you know. I can't really do anything about it. And like that's got its own sadness to it. Right. Especially since you see that it's like one guy is like really handsome and attractive and he likes her like me. And the other guy's a drunk like you. 
and it's just sad and depressing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I was distracted by Robert Stack being in this movie. Um, I think if they had someone like, say, George C. Scott, uh, I think that would have made a world of difference. Not that Robert Stack is bad, but yeah. I was distracted by it because, like what you said, um, Unsolved Mysteries, I was a fan of that show also. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I couldn't stop thinking about is that scene in Basketball from <laughs> Trey Parker and Matt Stone where Robert Stack is like, we still have no fucking clue where this guy is. Um, I was thinking about that the whole time watching this because his voice is just so distinct, you know. Um, so that's cool. Uh, I think all the leads are good. Both the ladies are good. Uh, like... The main lady, she doesn't have a ton to do, but like she's she's good in her role. Um, what did I have here? My notes are as follow: 50, 50s dudes loved rape. That was my first <laughs> note, uh, and then my second note was high waisted pants. Yeah, uh, because I believe there's a lot of really high waisted pants in this movie. So, like, okay, where, where, what do you define as high waisted? Like, where is the appropriate level scene, for I pants? I can tell you be? the exact scene. Okay. I can tell you the exact scene. It is when uh, Robert Stack flies a homegirl and a boyfriend to Miami. Yeah, and he shows her. He's like, "I got you this fabulous room, and it's fully stocked with clothes and purses that I just thought you would like." And then him and uh, Rock Hudson go into their room and take off their coats and have like a whiskey and a cigarette. Uh, And Robert Stack's pants are about, I would say, like three inches below his nipples. They're above his belly button for sure. About an inch or two above his belly button. And so my my theory on high-waisted pants, if they're close to your breasts for men – or if they're above your above your belly button is too high in my opinion. Yeah. Women, it's different. That's like that mom's pants thing that's actually like back in style now. So women wear pants over their belly button all the time. Right. But if a woman had pants all the way up to her breasts, I would say, hey, it's a little high. <laughs> go, go get yourself a pair of uh, overalls. Just get get the overalls, and then it won't. And then they can be even higher, and you won't feel the shame of having your pants that high. So right. that's what I mean by high-waisted pants. They're okay. abo- they're def- they're between the belly button and the nipple. Okay, so so this is something I've been thinking about because like yeah, if yeah. you if you look back over my uh, my recent movie watching, I, I haven't left the fifties all that much except for the one movie we'll talk about here in a little bit too. Um, mm-hmm. And like I noticed that like the pants are always large and baggy, um, right? Which is like I hate it. I hate the look of like. <laughs> Baggy pants, like I'm talking like it's like sale, like it's like I know what you, yeah. So I didn't notice it too much in these movies. Like they're pretty like reasonable, well tailored. But some of these like cheapo film noirs, you look at their Mm. pants, you're like, those look so ratty. Like get those, get those hemmed in a little bit. I mean, that's a lot of excess fabric. I mean, I know it was the style at the time, but you're like what 150 pounds and wearing like gigantic man pants, and it's just like you look like a fool with your oversized jacket and fedora. But uh, all these dudes kind of look the same at different times. So. Anyway, I've been yeah. plugged into the fifties and just like seeing like the the quality of clothing that changes between these movies depending on like budgets for they had for like clothing. And I think that these movies definitely had probably a lot more money into like their like the the fabrics and like cuts of cloth. But yeah, I I think like belly button is like actually, you know, where pants are supposed to sit on like humans. Um no. but not nowadays. Not it's that, it's supposed a- to be right over the pupus. Uh, under the belly button on the waistline. Mm, depending on the, the pupus, Jarrett. The pupus. The pupus. Pupus yeah. or pubis? 
pupus. The pupus, Jarrett, is the area uh, right in between your dewey and uh, your waistline. The the dewey. Your dewey. That's uh, and that's non-binary, so anyone can have. One everyone the, has a dewey. I have one of the them. One of them's yeah, a de- a dilly. So, on another topic, how do you yeah, how, how do you rate uh, Robert Stack's alcoholism in this film? Between a zero and RJ. Um. Wow. Okay. Uh. No, his alcoholism. I never really felt like it was too much. Oh. <laughs> to be honest, I was like, yeah, he drinks pretty hard. But I didn't see him drinking too hard until like the end. At the end, he's drinking pretty good yeah. when he's just piling down bottles of like rye. I don't do that yet, so I don't know. Oh. I don't know, like a six out of ten. Okay, uh, yeah. I'm just looking at Douglas Sirk and uh, one of his like the movie I guess he might have made right after this was The Tarnished Angels, uh, and it also stars Raw Hudson and Robert Stack. Cool. So they uh longtime partners. Yeah, they're buds. And uh, uh Dorothy Malone returns. She's the sister. Um yeah, she is. So they just did another movie together. That's neat. Uh, that's slightly neat, I Robert, suppose. Robert Stack. Oh god, those eyes. Those intense staring eyes at me. Uh huh. No. Um anyway, so yeah. Uh Run the Wind. It's like I, I liked it. Uh, yeah, like I said, there's like a lot of like interesting things going on in it, but it doesn't have like just that like perfect encapsulation of like fiftiesness and storytelling. Well, it's yeah. like it's just like not. It's different. It's yeah. like I said, it's like a sexier film, right? Like it's a, it's almost yeah. like a not a suspense or a thriller, yeah. but kind of. It's like a, a very like thriller light. It's like the Bud Light of thrillers because it's just like, it's like, ooh, man, this is a dirty love triangle. And look, there's even this slutty girl involved and someone's going to die. Yeah, there's like the one uh, montage or use of like kind of like a cross editing they do with uh, Mary Lee doing her like rumba dance to like crazy music in her like, her like, uh, like underdressing. And like, while her uh, father falls down the steps due to finding out that uh, his daughter's uh, a whore. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, my God, my heart can't handle it anymore. And then he falls down the steps and dies. Um, so that's like a little bit um, more sophisticated filmmaking. It's like not to say the uh, all that heaven allows is unsophisticated filmmaking. It just doesn't have like the like there's like certain looseness and written on the wind. And yeah. like the editing is a lot crazier. By the way, but that's nice and good and solid. Yeah. By the way, that scene is crazy because like that gas jockey is just like. He, uh, the dad and Rock Hudson are like, tell it straight, son. And he's like, listen, the girl's loose. And he's like, what are you saying? It's <laughs> like, the girl is a tramp. And the dad pulls a gun out. He's going to, like, shoot this fucking kid, this poor, like, gas station, like, employee. Because the guy's like, he's like, hey, that lady brought me here. This is what she does, you guys. I thought I just thought it was drastic that the dad was just going to fucking kill that guy. Right. Um. I have one more thing to say about Written on the Wind. Okay. Uh, there's a scene with Rock Hudson, and the dude drops a what's up. He goes into a room, and he says, what's up? And uh, I find this, this might be the first example of what's up in uh, just common tongue, just people talking to each other. I It's the first time I've ever heard it. I was like, mm-hmm. did that dude just drop a what's up? <laughs> Seemed weird. <laughs> but uh, it's funny. 
too because uh, me, like Andrew and I, we both looked at each other and we're like, that guy just say what's up? And then uh, we were watching a new movie based in the 50s and they drop what's up in that too. Oh. And, we're, and I was like... I was like, well, that's that makes more sense in this movie. Right. But a, a movie like 19, when did that come out? Like 56. Yep. 1956. That's the first What's Up I've ever heard. Well, there you go. Uh, speaking of that other movie that I made you watch, uh, yes. so I suggested that we also watch uh, Todd Haynes' Far From Heaven from 2002. Uh, so this movie, crazily enough, is like 15, 16 years old now. Uh, this movie came out like, I guess I was like a year out of high school and it was like one of those like big pushed, uh, like Oscar bait movies of of, of the time that it was. And I mean, like I thought, I mean, it's obvious watching it. I'm sure after watching these two movies, uh, we watched it because it is a like total pastiche of Douglas Sirk movies. Um, like there's just like whole, like when I watched far from heaven, I had never watched a Douglas Sirk movie. I had only like read, read about what they're like on paper, had never actually seen them other than they have this amazing technicolor colors, which these movies, like we haven't even talked about the color, uh, really oh, in these yeah. movies, which are like off the hook. Um, uh, mm-hmm. and like the, the, yeah. the, the blues and the reds and they're, they're like, wow, look, oh, he uses color in this really unusual way that like mm-hmm. doesn't reflect reality. Um, so far from heaven, uh, does that. And then also like the, the plot, uh, types of beats that you expect from melodrama kind of updated to like, Hey, it's the two thousands. Let's do other crazy stories. Um, so this story, uh, is Julianne Moore is our protagonist and it's like kind of a mix mishmash of the movies that we just watched where yeah. she is married, uh, to her husband, old Dennis Quaid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's kind of like, I guess the rock Hudson, in this dynamic, but uh, I thought more like um, the Allstate guy was Rock Hudson. The Allstate guy, uh, the president from Twenty Four. Uh, yeah. Well, right, but he's a black man. And he's both. This is our because like, Dennis Quaid, I guess, would be like he's like a Hollywood actor type. You are white heterosexual. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. Like he's the white yeah, heterosexual sure. dad, but that but is he's... that. But that's undercut by the fact that, uh, like, this is like, oh, this is why it's like kind of the going throwing back to like Rock Hudson's like yeah. closeted homosexuality forever right. and ever. So now you're doing a story about a dad big father figure in the 50s who is a closet case um, right. and who's getting some on the side and uh, basically her finding this out and right. uh, while we're also intercutting with her uh, being a woman of the 50s living in like suburban white America and like oh there's a black man an African American fellow and mm-hmm. he's like the first person I've ever really been able to talk to about things in my life yeah. while I'm finding out my husband has been has been lying to himself and my and me forever ever and um yeah so the movie just plays out from that point mm-hmm. and i mean so it's i watched this movie like back in 2003 when it ever came out on dvd i think like i bought like the previously viewed blockbuster copy of this nice uh yeah back in the day because i didn't yeah. want to pay brand new prices for these movies because i was like i'm sure this movie will be okay but i don't know if i'll love it or anything like that because i mm-hmm. didn't have any context to it so this is the first first time re-watching it and 
it's like it's weird because like I've been watching so many movies from the fifties and like yeah. watching something from like two thousand. It's kind of like whoa, right? Movies are odd, but there's like times where it feels like a movie from the early two thousands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's like the, there's like all the obvious Circian things that the movie has. Like the title card yeah. is like this handwritten thing, but it doesn't quite yeah. fit with the like that clean sort of thirty five millimeter like. Uh, quality of the movie mm-hmm. um, the colors are all there uh, yes. they're going for that replicating that um, there's something weird though about watching actors like contemporary actors doing the 50 stylized 50s dialogue bit. thing because yeah. like in my mind like when I think of Julianne Moore I think of her like in Boogie Nights I guess is like kind of like one of my go-tos or oh, you creep or Big Lebowski Big Lebowski <laughs> yeah um so it's like I think of like her in like these movies that are like very um like Coen Brothers, Scorsese types of movies that are like contemporary. Right. So watching a movie where she's having to talk like a fifties housewife, it's yeah. like kinda like, oh, this is kinda like off. Like it just doesn't ever feel yeah. right because those people like they're just trying to like emulate it. Mm-hmm. Um so there's like an actually qual there's an actualiness to it that kind of yeah. removes you from it in a way that when you're watching fifties people who like belong in that period of time when they do it it's mm-hmm. just like oh that's just what this is whereas like i know that this yeah. isn't quite right uh, can i interrupt you for a second yeah go for it i was gonna say uh i noticed that too and that was something like when we were watching it but it, it only really it doesn't stay the whole movie it seems like it starts out real heavy and it's like mother yeah come to old timmy and it's like that kind of shit and it's like really heavy for the first half hour because mm-hmm. they're like setting up this like idyllic like like he- i guess like heaven like suburbia where it's like perfect wife perfect husband perfect kids yeah and so they're all talking that way and then it's like oh wait dennis quaid is gay and it's like oh no one saw that coming it's like oh wait She's in love with like the black gardener. No one saw that coming. And then it like it starts to drop a little bit. Like they mm-hmm. still they do still talk like that, but it's not as like overbearing yeah. as it is at the start of the, that's, the movie. I mean, I think that's like a common thing though, is like you set up yeah. the you, you create the surface and then I guess the idea is like over the course of the movie you'll break past that surface and go beyond that. Like I always right. think of like uh, an example of that because it's also sort of like similar kind of ideas. Uh, Blue Velvet, because uh, oh, yeah. the, so the movie Blue Velvet is like I think that is exactly what that movie is about is breaking down this idea of like the utopic fifties suburban life and like American life, uh, okay. and then like exposes that. But like the first quarter, like the first half hour of that movie, everyone talks in this weird stylized way that I remember when my parents first watched Blue Velvet years ago. They were like, that movie's got the worst acting. Oh, it's so bad. But like yeah. they just like. I don't know. They're like kind of weird. Superficial. Where they, they're like, wow, wow, people just sound so stupid. They sound goofy. Yeah. I'm like, well, they're, it's an affectation and it's like a stylized thing. And then that drops. Like mm-hmm. when Frank Booth shows up, I mean, it, the whole tone of the movie shifts. Uh, and so like- Maybe he wants to fuck. Yeah. That, yeah. That's really 50s dialogue. Yeah. It's very Circian. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Keep going. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, Far From Heaven is like, okay. It's like- Yep. not like a barn burner or anything like that. Uh, it's like, yeah, it's like not like, it's just kind of there for me. Um, it's yep. like an interesting experiment. So the, the other thing, so t- director Todd Haynes, he, yeah. uh, so he himself is a gay director. Uh, so, I mean, like, I think like there's an aspect of like the, st- 
Douglas Sirk movies of yeah. like there's like a camp quality because of the crazy colors and the mm-hmm. uh, like sort of like the the stodginess and kind of ridiculousness of the situations and I think and then also there's like the Rock Hudson aspect too um, which is mm-hmm. probably why like he wanted to make a movie like this because he probably loves Douglas Sirk movies and he's like I want to yeah. really do my own version of that but like set it for like today's times and I don't know if like those things like like I guess like I mean, in 2002, I mean, gay, mm-hmm. gay men and women couldn't marry still. And that it was still kind of like taboo-ish, I guess, for like mainstream America and in right. uh, Canada. And the rest of the world, like huge swaths of the world are still like that, where it's uh, a taboo thing and you don't do mm-hmm. it. Um, so I guess it's like that. That's a bit more relevant, I guess, for 2002. I'm not sure about like white woman and black woman <laughs> what mm-hmm. is like particularly like crazy at that point in time uh but fuck there's still like goddamn commercials where they have like oh hey it's a black man with a white woman and people get mad about it on twitter um so yeah uh yeah so it's 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 crazy it's it is crazy but i mean like you say compared to my like my standards because i mean like when we go back and watch a movie from the 50s you're kind of like oh man i can't believe people cared about these things like, yeah. but so watching a movie from 2002, it's kind of like, I can't believe people care about these or would have thought about these things. But then you go, you stop and think and go, oh yeah, not everybody's me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like the show. I'm, I'm with you. It's like, it's good. Uh, it's a little heavy handed at times, which I mean, it's like we were saying with like some of the dialogue stuff, like it's, it's supposed to be like, it's intentionally heavy like a little heavy on that stuff like the overt like um like there's big racism and like uh homophobia stuff and it's like a little over the top but at the same time it's like well people were shitty like that too so i don't think i i would argue that maybe it's it's, it's not, not it's not that bad like compared to like what it could yeah. be <laughs> like it's pretty like oh yeah i mean they they do try to like do their best to like tone it down like because well, like because they never like when they're yeah. oh, homosexuality oh my goodness and they, they just like they use yeah. those terminologies and like when he's going to like um the psychiatrist uh yeah and like the way that's handled it's done and it's like yeah i mean this is what people would have probably been going through this idea of curing yeah. it um sure. and well that's what they they tried to do that up until like the 90s yeah and there was that, and, yeah. and Vice President Mike Pence. Uh, uh, yeah. Or, well, there was yeah. that uh, that really bad psych- psychologist who like who was like, oh, you can just tell them whatever they want to be, and he like tried to raise that boy as a girl, and then like when he was like twenty five, he like killed himself, <laughs> and he, he like published tons of papers. He was like an anti vaxxer but he was on sexuality. He was like, you do whatever. He was like, you can force it onto them, whatever you want it to be. And he was just like, oh, that didn't turn out. No. Now someone's dead so, and no one goes to yeah. jail for that. Um, yeah. yeah. But so, yeah, uh, Far From Heaven, I, I know why you wanted me to watch it. It's got nice colors. Oh, yeah. It's got a lot of color. Looks great. But, but, the, but it doesn't, quite, doesn't look quite as good, right? Like it's it's not it's not that no, technicolor. No. And, and then there's times where like, and, well, did you think that like there was like uh, the points in the movie where it completely drops out? And then because we are far from heaven, and then it's like we're just in shitty old desaturated regular world. When she leaves the train station and she like drives off, yeah. and it's like not like spectacular looking anymore. It's just kind of like dreary and yep. regular. Yeah, where that's a uh, that's the big difference in like all that heaven allows. Uh, the color was like really fitting of like the tone of the like the room. It was like what was kind of going on, but it was never like to the point where you're just like oh like that's that's a dumb. 
This one, it kind of like it plays too much to it where it more than a better way to put it, not the homophobia or like the racism parts uh, overbearing over the top was like the score where it was like it did like there were certain scenes where it, the music was like too too like bubbly for like mm. what was going on it was like i always bring it up it's like the seinfeld music <laughs> where it's like boom 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 and it's like the the white kids chasing the black girl and it's yeah. like don't don't me down bah and it's just like why is this music here like it's really off putting and i feel like it was intentional he's like this is like a 50s movie but at the same time it's like it doesn't totally work very well i don't know yeah that's that, just that I was guess- that was just what we took away from it. It was like, this music's weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scores can do that to a movie where it just like makes you really aware of itself. And you're like, Oh, this isn't very good. Cause you shouldn't even notice it. Or you should be like, wow, this score is so good. And it's moving me mm-hmm. into the story rather than being like, why am I thinking about George Costanza? <laughs> it's honest. Honestly, whenever there's a bad score, I just think of Seinfeld where no, it's like it's, in inappropriate music. It's funny. Cause it's like, I have a friend that like, he makes the same comment and I, yeah. and I think like, but that, but when you guys talk about it and I go back to like what you're talking about, I'm like, this doesn't sound at all like Seinfeld music. People need to go back and actually listen to what that it, music it's sounded like, but, but it's like, there's a nineties sound yeah, that like, exactly. I think you're talking about. It's not like Seinfeld has a, has a very specific sound. Um, Whereas, like, I just think of, like, general, like, kind of forgettable 90s filler score music definitely has a sound, but it's not, yeah. it's, it's not the, it's like, <laughs> it's not like freestyle jazz yeah, and scatty, yeah, yeah, it's not but, that. Uh, but it's, it's like, it's what I mean, it's the tone of the music. Yeah. It's, it's, you see? It's 90s television music. Yeah. Right. There you go. Um, yeah, no, I. I just thought like it was worthwhile. Like probably this is the best time to watch this movie. What with those like uh, Cirque movies fresh in your mind because you get like all yep. the, like the visual references, yep. like the advertising posters in the office. Uh, yep. There's like th- there's actually like the one I noticed at the end. There's like uh, Julianne Moore's at the desk and she's looking through a calendar that's on the table. That's like the book and it's like the exact same type of book that's at the very beginning of um, written, written on, the, on wind. the wind when the yeah. when the pages flip backwards and we get travel back yeah. through the passage of time. Uh, those are the two that immediately jump off the top out of my head, but mm-hmm. I'm sure there's like other little bits and pieces. We were like, Oh, that's neat. Oh, that's probably. Circuit. Yeah. All that sort of stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, it's yeah. like, that's the only thing really, I think that anyone really talks about this movie anymore is cause, cause it's, mm-hmm. it's relationship to these other two better movies. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. I agree with the things that you have said. Nice. But Hey, it's time to talk about who hates these movies. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm sure a fair amount of people. Okay. All right. Here we go. Mm. Mm-hmm. Half a star. Uh, we'll start with, uh, uh, all that heaven allows Peter Hoffman, a horrible film. It's perfect. Except for rock Hudson didn't have any chemistry with anyone except for his hunting buddy. Cause Come see, on. cause he's gay and I know that he's gay. Huh? I get it. Come on. It's like, that's bullshit. He totally did. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's just people. That's, you know what that is? That's someone who can't admit that they themselves have issues. Yeah. And they, and they take it out on other people. Probably. Uh, Saleri gave this one and a half star. I just don't get it. 
The small parts that I did like was the daughter's amusing comments, the TV, the son's response to hearing his mother break the relationship with Ron, but even the end of the film seemed to ruin that scene. I just don't get it. Maybe I'm a terrible person, but I disliked almost every bit of this film. The deer, the fact that the fact Ron grows trees, the lobsters, the way the people of the country club are used, the disgusting obvious use of color and shadows, <laughs> the doctor, honestly, the privilege as well. This remained or this reminded me honestly of one of the books my parents bought at a garage sale to help improve their English. <laughs> what? <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. There was uh, something you said that I was like, oh, this is what that is. I was going to have a really like snappy comment, and I forgot because that's how little I care. Something about privilege? Uh, no, I, it was something at the start of the review. It doesn't matter. The TV. I don't know. Keep going. Uh, anyway, uh, and then Erica Sorensen gave this two stars. A, terif- uh-huh. a terrifying postcard of the 50 suburban ideal come to life where people of color have been eradicated, queers have been eradicated, the disabled have been eradicated, the poor have been eradicated, and the protagonist's only challenge in life is whether or not she'll still be invited to cocktail parties if she mildly dissents from the Borg hive mind. A perverse, unnatural, and fascistic world presented in unnatural colors like a glossy magazine of the period. This film isn't anti-conformity or anti-status quo, just pro-white hets suffocating each other slightly less in the heteropatriarchal white ethnostate shown to us. These characters are not the victims of the crushing social mandate of homogeneity on display. Now, if Carrie were in love with a woman instead of her gardener, you might have something here. Go watch Carol again instead. Also, Ron, and probably everyone in this film, let's be honest, but especially Ron, definitely votes Trump 60 years after the events of the film. Okay, so, I, um, <laughs> I, do you have anything to say? Uh, take it away. I don't want to overstep my boundaries here or make anyone feel uncomfortable. But I I really don't like the way that current reviews are going on Letterboxd anymore now where it's very (laughs) topical to the issues of things like – and let me just state state very clearly up front that I agree with many of these things like anti-racism, feminism, good things about good people accepting one another but when it is all that you can see in movies and it ruins movies for you it's like i didn't like this movie from 1950 where a man and a woman fall in love because a they were the same race b they were opposite sexes and it's like and c it wasn't like politically correct it's just like or because it was politically correct you're you're ruining these movies for yourself because it's like that's not it's that's not the point of the, these things you know well and at the end of the day like i like this this i don't know i twitter is like death for me at this point because yeah. even people i like agree with i like i hate them because they, they that's all they talk about is this shit endlessly I, and it's like your your this worldview is like toxic in its own way and i mean it's it just uh, it seems so it's like it's such an extreme on both ends yeah on both ends and that's that's the issue you know what people just need to hang out with us and 
get bring come down to earth a little bit. Just be like, you know what? Just yeah, there's bad stuff. There's good stuff. Let's mm-hmm. go eat some cake. Yeah, and and watch the brown face and black face movies together. Yeah, I like to find yeah, these because because on Letterbox, there's always one. There's always somebody to come along and be like. Mm-hmm. Wow, I just finished my second year of uh, cultural theory at the university. Yeah, uh, I've got some thoughts, and it's like they're they're like bad unthought out things. They're just like <laughs> nothing. They're there's I I was like motherfucker, you went into this movie knowing what it was, and you weren't going to yeah. like it, but now you're going to talk about it and whatever. Mm-hmm. Enjoy your life being miserable, and you'll but one day you'll totally like not even care about any of this shit. I guarantee yeah. it because you'll have a job in a life, and you won't have time to like think about it anymore and that's mm-hmm. and that's how the system gets you because the man yeah. always wins brother you got got uh, and on to written on the wind oh god one star from Aleph Nall a cabin of the woods of melodrama is that it no yep, that's it's one. not even very it's not even very clever or no, snappy I yeah it's just uh, lazy Caitlin one star this was just a shit show God, these are lazy. These are lazy burns. Yeah, and then Cienzi, no more time for movies or sleep. Wanzi, one and a half star. Look, I know he's supposed to be irrational. He's supposed to be leaping for the worst interpretations of reality just to self just just to self destruct. But no matter how dramatic you make the music under the shot of Robert Stack not understanding his doctor explained the difference between no sperm and low sperm, all I can think is the fact that a literal three-year-old could have overcome the central tragic misunderstanding that drives the final half of the film. Lauren Bacall is too good an actor for this. Uh, Mitch and Mary Lee's relationship is twisted to form an arc since the conclusion of that arc serves as the moral moment of the film at the end, but it leaves the early scenes between the two feeling all wrong. The dynamic between the two Mm -hmm. is supposed to have been the way it is for years and years. So when Mary Lee is in the car saying, I love you, Mitch, and I'll have you married or not, it makes no sense that the conversation would play out like that to me. This was probably the upteeth time this month that the two characters had spoken. Fuck, especially since Kyle and Lucy had been out for their honeymoon. What was special about this? car ride that made it get so raw or does she say this literally every time you know hey Mitch how was your weekend also did you know I'm devoted to you forever and that's why I'm self-destructive oh and can you pass the salt um and finally the autumn leaves flying through the doorway during the climax was a nice touch (laughs) good lord that's a hell of a not a review but how bored was this person when they started writing this shit? I don't know. That's like that's like when I complain about like witches and movies and holocausts. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not even going to give any context to that. Just take it as it is, people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's it. Uh, these movies are swell. And if you like life mm-hmm. uh, and have some joy in your heart and aren't so worried about, I don't know, letting other people know what you think uh, all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay, just get a podcast so we don't have to read your reviews. Actually, yeah, I'll, I'll I, totally I, listen to it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Well, I think that's that, RJ. Nice. That's that, Mattress Man. Technicolor. Beautiful. Hell of a thing. Raw Cuts in. Mm-hmm. Hell of a guy. Hell of a guy. Um, after the break, uh, RJ and I will struggle for the gun, and he will be wounded and die, and then I will be put on trial for his murder. There's no, oh no, 
There was a trial. In yeah, we just, we just we didn't. I was gonna, I was gonna say, what the fuck are you talking we about? We didn't. We shouldn't like talk about that because it's such a like whatever kind of thing. Or yeah, like, it's, it's you're you're needless. checked out at that point. Yeah, you're just see, like, that's that's why that, that's why all all uh, all the heaven loves is the better movie. This is true. Holla. R- RJ's dead and a drunk. Huh. <laughs> How many roads must a man walk down before you call him a man? How many seas must a white dove sail before she sleeps in the sand? Times must the cannonballs fly before they're forever banned. The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind. How many years can So, RJ, are uh, you going to start on that second pint? Uh, yeah, as soon as this is done, I'm going to get into a big bowl of fucking uh, confetti cake, oh, little man. birthday cake, and uh, Andrea is going to pour me a, a fresh one. Beautiful. So, um, she, uh, I'm not like a weirdo. She said she wanted to make it for me, so I think it's because it's my birthday. She's being nice to me. so That's nice. I'm not a weird man who demands his uh, partner to make him drinks, in case that's what you were wondering. Okay. Well, I'm just not going to say any of the things I'm thinking in my mind right now. Yeah, you keep that to yourself. You can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com and tell us what you make your girlfriend do to you on your birthday. Ugh. We've got a Facebook page. We're on an Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a Patreon. Check us out there. We got a new donor the other day, RJ. So we are officially <gasps> breaking even. Wow, that's pretty cool. Cause, I didn't think we'd ever make it that far. No, cause for celebration. Uh, and hell, this is like our 80th episode, which is oh. ca- kind of crazy, actually. You know what? What? If you have a letterboxed uh, tracker, like my ranked list, mm-hmm. if you count all the short films we've watched, uh, we have officially hit 100. No, well, that's, uh, that's some fake news right there, RJ. Next thing you'll if be you, telling me is you only weigh 239 pounds. You you check out my ranked list, counting all the short films we've watched, all those. Wrong. Well, how, how is my list at 100 then? Well, you go on there and find you, me the movie that I didn't also, watch. Because those six short films are only one film. Yeah, but they all have their own letterbox credit. We'll all be at 100. We'll have to figure out what our Beastie Boys anthology uh, 100 representation is going to be. Well, I got 100 on my list right now, so you take it as however you want. Well, at 100, I will reveal my ranked list. Oh. Oh. I think that's going to upset a lot of people. Oh, I don't know. Because you were an upsetting individual. No one cares. Spoilers. Chasing Amy is the worst movie in the collection. Uh, In the first 100. Uh, Hey, we're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, all that fun stuff. And we throw up the review parts on YouTube still. And that's like a weird thing. People will check that out. That's cool. Um, mm-hmm. Next week, RJ, spine number 97. We're getting there. Do the Right Thing, directed by Spike Lee at long last. Uh, from, hmm. ni- from 1989. What do you mean at long last? I, I think this is one of those movies that like 
we've talked about in passing and be like, oh, we're going to have to watch that. And you're like, what the hell's do the right thing? I don't care about Spike Lee. And like, I don't uh, think I... I like, the, I like uh, He Got Game. Okay. I think He Got Game is cool. That's good. That's good. Uh, well, I look forward to our conversation about do the right thing because especially nowadays, I'm really curious how people think about this movie. It's been a while since I watched it. Hopefully you like that public enemy because you're going to hear a lot of it. Mm. Well, good night. See you later, I guess. I guess. Is, is this episode done? Yeah, go eat that fucking cake. I'm going on. <laughs> <laughs>